Welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. A lot going on this week. Nathan Stacken, alongside my good friend and co-host, sports director at KORN Radio, there in Mitchell, South Dakota, none other than Travis Crins. Travis, how we doing? Good. Another week. It's going to be cold. Mm-hmm. It's going to be our first, I would say, first winter-like temperatures this weekend. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's fun. Snow is in the forecast right now. It looks like North Dakota is going to get hit more, but like even uh, North Central, you know, extending all the way kind of up into the nor- northern Minnesota. There, quite a the, you know, some places could see over a foot of snow. Some places could see a dusting. Some could see four inches. Who knows at this point? Um, we'll just see what happens with the weather. Got the election coming up, so we'll uh, we'll react to that. Uh, some of those results next week. Uh, I would say you know. From my um, from my stand of things, I don't think it looks overly promising, but we'll we'll certainly find out. Hopefully, I'm proven wrong, just like I was proven wrong about the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. Oh boy! The Vikings are seven and one. Travis, this is the fourth time it has happened, and the th- 20, 30, 25 years or so in the last game, each of those years. Not saying it's going to happen this year, because once again, it was a struggle, but. Um, and unfortunately, they lost in the NFC Championship game all those years. But another come-from-behind win, and this time they had to do it because the officials screwed the Vikings, even though it was a little bit of an accident. And the wide receivers, I thought, played arguably their worst game of the year with all of those drops. Like they want to say we want we were going to intercept that pass. I'm not so sure about that. Oh, Bynum was he was going to catch it and like I'm not saying he would have well, gotten very far. He would have picked that off for sure. I'm not going to say that because defensive backs are receivers that can't catch. So I didn't watch that play. I'm like, oh my god, we got screwed. It was only knocked into the official. That's unfortunate, but. So I, uh, so uh, ninety eight they were seven and one. When, when else were they seven and one? Uh, Two thousand nine. Okay. And then I think there was another oh, that, year. Was it like two thousand two, two thousand one, something like that? I saw it on Twitter. Let me find yeah. it. Those other teams, they were good. This team's not that good. They're just not. This was probably their worst game since the Eagles game. Yes. Especially offensively. You get out 7 nothing lead, a fantastic first drive. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe this is the week they put it away early. Like, no. Like, what, 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 I haven't looked at the numbers yet, but it's it's got to be literally what, 20 their past 25 games, something like that, that have been... One score? One score, and, like, every win of these six wins have been eight points or less. Mm-hmm. Like, it just happens every time for two years in a row. Every game is close, no matter who we play. And, yeah, it's a... I love ice cream, but not every fucking day for every meal. <laughs> you like... You like nice, close games. You like to win. But it's like you can't be doing this against Washington and Miami down to a third-string quarterback. Yeah, but but they played Teddy for the majority of that game. After Fine, that. it's a second-string quarterback. Uh, Washington's down to their backup. 
He's, he's better than Carson Wentz. He, he Taylor Heineke, absolutely. He is, but he, but he's not a good quarterback. He is bad. He was. He's bad. Like he's good enough to to start and keep a keep a hole in the bucket team from leaking all the water out. But like that offense is bad. Like he. After watching him, like he shouldn't be a quarterback in the NFL. Ideally, if he's your starter, something went wrong. And then you, you're down ten to Detroit, and you need to beat them again for like the third straight game against Detroit to trail in the final seconds. And yeah, we're seven and one, and nobody else is any good. But and then Josh Allen hurt his elbow, so you've got Buffalo, and that looks like a very winnable game now. Well, it, depending on if he is out or not. And even if he is playing, like he's not only going to be anywhere near 100%. And Buffalo at this point, same thing as last year. They beat the Chiefs and they go on to lose to Jacksonville. They beat the Chiefs this year, they lose to the Jets. Mm-hmm. They were 14 to 3. And that's inexcusable. And they look awful against the Packers for the most part. Mm hmm. And the Chiefs look terrible against the Titans. It, and but the people, Titans, the Titans in the Mahomes era are two and one look, against them. They there are some teams that just match up, uh, like they, they just don't match up favorably with you. And the Titans, for whatever reason, it's the physicality. It's the fact that you know the Chiefs don't have like a, a great. They're more of a finesse team, not a ground and pound team like the Titans are. It, that the, the Titans just kind of have their number. And they can't move the ball against them. And Malik Willis is, I mean, just non-existent. You may as well, I mean, this is the, this is the compliments of all compliments. I hate to go here. I watched, like, the second half of the game after Tennessee scored. I have no idea how they only scored. But Malik Willis was Spurgeon win-esque. Ooh, ooh. That, Watching the second half and watching overtime, like, how the hell did they score? And, I mean, he was awful. He was absolutely terrible. Like, he did it. It was like he was a third stringer that had never played football before. He was he was a lot better in the second, in the first half. I would fucking hope so, because what I saw in the second half, just horrendous. So the Chiefs not knocking my socks off, and nobody wants to give the Eagles any credit. Well, I, I say at least they're beating teams, and, and once in a while, at least it's somewhat convincingly. Okay, but well, you can't. I think you you could use that argument with the Vikings then as well. Their lone loss is to an undefeated Eagles team, but they're not beating anybody convincingly at all. Again, this is a. Uh, it was Halloween last weekend. It was, yes. This the Vikings. They're dressing up as a seven and one team. They're when you take the mask off, they're actually like four and fourteen. See, I, I mean, so like just because they're winning doesn't mean they're good, right? I get that. I get that. But I'm looking at this Eagles squad here. They barely beat a Lions team week one. They've played a terrible Pittsburgh team. They played the Houston Texans last week, for goodness sakes. Uh, yeah. They played the Jaguars in a monsoon. 
Okay, they were down 14-0 in that game, ultimately came back and won. They played against Cooper Rush and the Cowboys. They've gone against, uh, I'm pulling up the rest of their, their schedule here. They played against Primetime Kirk, and we know how good Primetime Kirk is. Um, I, They've had a very easy schedule against have. some terrible quarterbacks. Yes, so like the, the Vikings have actually played against a more difficult schedule thus far than the uh, Eagles. Probably, yeah, but yeah, potentially, yeah. So I like if we're gonna but then, use, but then, if, but then you've got you know, you've got the uh, the Jets beating the Bills, yeah, and you've got the Lions beating the Packers. And who, who the hell did the Chiefs lose to? They lost to they lost to Indianapolis, which yeah, I and, mean, then that's he, a, and they lose to the fucking Colts. That, but that was uh, I'm kind of looking at this. Well, little, inexplainable. It's all of these teams have lost to mm-hmm. somebody that's just. It's like, yep. what? And Tampa Bay doesn't have an offense to save their life. Mm-hmm. And then the Eagles, they just, they, they win all the games. So if you can win them all, congratulations, because it seems like on a weekly basis, there's a game that you just go, what the hell happened here? Yep. And the, Col- right, the Colts are probably going to end up with a top five pick. Mm-hmm. Like that, I know the matchups again, Colts have had success against the Chiefs. But well, gee, like, like, like the Chiefs may go to the Super Bowl, and the Colts look like they can't win a game, let alone score a touchdown so, at this point. So three points on that Colts game against the against the Chiefs. One, it was the Colts' home opener. For I think your home openers, you kind of have to throw that 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 factor in. And Matt Ryan was playing in that one. Uh, that, that's the, that's point number two. Matt Ryan was actually playing. Um, and then three, Harrison Butker was not playing for the for the Chiefs, and they missed out on four points. Now, granted, Butker missed a field goal and an extra point Sunday night against Tennessee, but I guarantee if, if Butker is playing that game, because the, the Chiefs also tried for a fake field goal in that one, if the, Chiefs are, if the Chiefs had Butker, they're not doing a fake field goal. They're letting him kick it. The Chiefs win that game if Butker is playing. I guarantee it. So, I like, kicking matters in that, I think... If, I think Matt Amendola cost the Chiefs in that game. Like, the Chiefs should be able to beat the Colts without a kicker. They should change the rule. In that, they changed the rule in that game to where the Chiefs were not allowed to punt or kick. And the game was played on the moon. They should still beat them by two touchdowns. And then what was it the week before? It was the week before... The Colts lost to Jacksonville for the twentieth straight time. That's the boogeyman, though, for them. It's like it's like every team has like a terrible, terrible loss. Yes. Yeah. Where you're like, what happened this week? And the Vikings, I guess, the Vikings don't have that. The Eagles haven't lost. The Bills have that. The Chiefs have that. The Chiefs blow out San Francisco mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago in the second half. So, but yeah, like the Vikings, it just. The offense. What what is happening? But nobody's talking about it because last week, I think I said last week, this is the worst year Kirk Cousins has had with the Vikings. Like no doubt about that. And this is like his worst year in, in seven or eight seasons. But nobody cares because they're winning games, and Cousins play has played better. Like this is his worst year he's had as a Viking. But 
and it's just weird the, the sports debates and the sports talk mm-hmm. you know, he's now going to be on all these shows this week and he's wearing these chains and all this stuff and, I like it I like it's a new Kirk yeah. Cousins um, so it's, again it's it's, it's it's Kirk Cousins with the chains is the 7-1 Vikings which is the same as Kirk Cousins without chains and the plaid dad shirt looking like he just mowed his yard four and four Vikings. Like they're the same thing, they just yeah. look different. But in reality when you scratch the surface of the same thing. So it's just weird how we how we look at things and talk at things because So last week Cousins was off on several of his throws. He should have had a much better game than what he did. And, and I think it was last week, and I hear him say that, oh, I felt very comfortable with the offense finally. I felt good with it. I felt like it was clicking or mm-hmm. whatever. I heard that at the beginning of this game or something. Yep, but, okay, so, but you're, like, this was by far the worst game that the Vikings wide receivers have had this year. Thielen dropped at least two. Jefferson dropped at least two. Oh. Osborne, Osborne dropped one. Like they were not helping. Did he even have a catch? Right, but I'm saying. Did Osborne maybe? uh, Did he have a catch? Maybe he's got his usual one catch he makes, but. But we have a tight end. T.J. Hawkinson was their best receiver. Yes, he was fantastic. But even then, like the the screen game, uh, that's a little bit of a work in progress. But Hawkinson already made an impact. That first pass over the middle, 19 yards there on that third down or whatever. Beautiful pass. That's what Hawkinson's going to be able to do. He's going to help stretch the field that way for the Vikings. I think sometimes they get a little cute. They have yet to really establish a running game apart from uh, the uh, last week against Arizona. But I look at uh, I look at Sunday's game, and again Jefferson drops a, a, a at least two catchable balls, if not three. The deep one, the one in the end zone that got picked off at the end of the first half there. And then I think he had another one along the sidelines. He's like, wait, wh- what? Like, we expect greatness from Justin Jefferson. And he's allowed to have a few drops every once in a while. But I thought this was by far his worst game um, in terms of actually catching the balls. Maybe second only to that Monday night football game against Philadelphia. Thielen dropped a couple of passes. Like, Kirk would have had a lot better game, a lot better number statistically, if his wide receivers would have caught the ball. He put it on the money, and again, the refs, maybe you want to call pass interference every once in a while, because they were mugging. St. Juiced was mugging Jefferson half the time. Um, Thielen got uh, yanked at least once. Osborne, I think, got um, got got interfered with, but they didn't call it. Like, the refs were bad in this one, but the wide receivers didn't help. Uh, at the end of the day, though, what I'm very impressed with is the pass rush is starting to get a lot better. The secondary is playing well. You see, you know, Caleb Ev- um, Evans, the rookie cornerback from Missouri, come in and make a few big plays uh, that kind of helped turn the, turn the game a bit. So it, it's just nice to see Daniil Hunter, Zadarius Smith getting that pass rush there. They did a great job overall defensively uh, this past week. I'm not expecting them to beat Buffalo. With or without Josh Allen, I do not expect them to beat Buffalo. But I, there are, I am seeing signs that they, if they could just put together a complete game, this would be a magnificent team. They show flashes every once in a while. Uh, like on the first drive, they need that consistency throughout. But I am, 
I think this is a, a better. T- I think this is a good team. Have they gotten a little lucky? Yes, but you could look at last year and say, "Boy, they were unlucky." This year, they're doing their part. The defense is playing well inside of two minutes, not giving up a ton of points. They're being aggressive inside of two minutes and uh, going for these points at the end. Uh, last, uh, you know, they were smart to waste the clock or whatever after the roughing the. Pa- uh, you know the the roughing penalty that allowed them a new set of downs. You know, take another minute and a half off the clock. So the, the Vikings are playing fundamentally smart football. They're not very penalized, so that's something that's been completely different from previous years. They were often penalized, especially pass interference. They're not doing that this year. So while it hasn't come full circle, hasn't come completely together yet, you see flashes of this, and you could. You could say, wow, if they could just put it together, imagine how good they can be. And you look and say, wow, they are 7-1. and And they are four and a half games up in the division. This is the largest um, uh, lead, division lead by week nine in a number of years. Not just Vikings, but like in the NFL in general. Like the NFC North is pretty much theirs automatically at this point. Because the Packers suck. They have a bunch of injuries. The Bears actually look competent with Justin Fields now having that. Uh, I mean, he ran for 178 yards against the Dolphins. They're starting to make. Uh, they're starting to utilize Justin Fields the way that he should be utilized. And the Lions, you know what? They're not. They played hard. They played good against Green Bay. Um Aaron Rodgers looks absolutely awful. He should retire. He should look at himself in the mirror. If he wants the 11 best players on the field, he needs to maybe step off because that was an absolutely atrocious game by him on Sunday, and he deserves absolutely every bit of criticism, and he should be ridiculed for his performance. That was awful. I guess the good news for the Vikings is that they can't can't play much worse. They can only play better. They haven't peaked. You hate to peak in October and November. Right. So I can only hope that they'll get better. Because last, were they 8-9 last year? Yes. And you look at it and you're like, yeah, that easily could have been an 11 or 12 win playoff team. Mm-hmm. And I look at this year, they're 7-1, and it easily could be a 4-4 four four team. So, like, I'm looking at like, I don't care if they win or lose. Like, things have to get better. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, again, it's a blind spot in analysis and sports talk to where, like, if they win, it feels like if we win, nobody can criticize anything. Mm-hmm. They've only won, but it's like, well, no, like, this has got to get better. This has got to get better. I don't care if they, because I had a guy at work today, so Vikings, look at those Vikings, 7-1. I'm like, yeah. They fucking struggled to win again against Washington. They're down 17-7. to They went literally two and a half hours on offense without doing a goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, it just, I don't care if they win or lose. Like, things have to get better. Ultimately, it's about winning or losing, but things... Yeah, the running game is just non-existent at this point. The, I mean, this is the worst I think the offensive line has played all year. They were just... But Darisaw didn't allow. I think he allowed one pressure the entire game. Darisaw played absolutely fantastic. It's the interior, and you had Bradbury um, yeah. get injured, and he, and that like 
they put the backup center in, and he gets a del- there's a delay a game on that play right before the interception Kirk throws at the end of the half. Like that's a you're you're looking at uh, at least a three point swing there because they could have gotten a field goal because that was the the drive that the uh, that the offense for the first time since the first drive of the game was moving down the field inside of two minutes there. So there that was a, a, a costly mistake there by Schlotman or whatever his name is. Um, I mean, I don't think there is really any great team. We thought it was maybe Buffalo, and then they they look the way they did against the Jets. I think the Chiefs are certainly up there. The Eagles are really, really good. But I'm looking at this schedule here for the Eagles. And, yes, they beat they beat the Lions. Offense looked good. They beat the Vikings, but didn't score a point in the second half. They beat the Commanders week three. I don't think they scored a point in the second half. They were down 14-0. The Jaguars came back and won. They struggled with the Eagles. Again, I think three points in the second half against the Cardinals. I'm sorry. They they struggled. uh, They scored three points in the second half of that game. Didn't score a ton. I think they scored 20 points in the second quarter against Dallas. Against Cooper Rush, six points the remainder of the game. The last couple weeks, they've actually scored some points in the second half. But this Eagles team, if you can slow them down right out of the gates, you have a chance because as good as they are to start the game, they aren't a very good second-half team offensively. They get complacent. I don't know what the, what the deal is. I mean, they were tied with Houston on Thursday night. I get that it's a short week. I get that it's on the road. But Houston's a terrible team. So as good as the Eagles are, they are far from flawless and they are far, like, I just, if you're looking at 8-0, you can point to reasons why they're 8-0, just like for the Vikings, 7-1, you can't really take away because you are playing who you're scheduled to play on the on, on the schedule. So, I think the Eagles are better than the Vikings. I'm not saying that the Vikings are right up there, but it's, it's Eagles and then Vikings and Seahawks. Seahawks are surprising. I maybe would put, and then the 49ers would be right below them. They just have to get healthy. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, it's going to be 49ers and Eagles in the NFC Championship game. Because the 49ers, if they can get healthy, how are you going to stop that offense with Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Christian McCaffrey? I don't think you are. I really don't. Uh, the Vikings botched the end of the game. They uh, got the penalty to... The field goal was good, but then they got the ball again with the jumping over the uh, center penalty. Mm-hmm. So you have a first and goal from the six. It's a tie game. Uh, you know, a score basically wins it, and the good thing is, is I guess they scored uh, with like no time left. With 13 seconds but, left, yep. Yeah, the the drive like right before the penalty, right before the penalty extended the drive. You know, at first and goal from the six, it's tied at 17. There's 235 left. I think Washington had one timeout. I would have ran the ball on first and goal at the six with 235 left uh-huh. to where you run the ball, you see what happens, and either Washington's going to use their final timeout or you're going to take it all the way down to two minutes. Vikings didn't do that. They passed it, and it was incomplete. Yep. Now you're going to give them a free timeout. Right. Uh, 2.31 to go. Then you, you run the ball on second down. You get two yards for Dalvin Cook. 
Washington chooses not to use their timeout. It goes to two minutes. Third and goal from the four. We pass it again for the second of the three times. And we give Washington, we still keep them with the timeout. How the hell Washington was able to go those three plays and not use a timeout was just piss poor management. Mm -hmm. Where if, if that penalty doesn't happen, the Vikings go up 2017, you give them, you know, a, a minute and a half or a minute 50 uh, and a timeout to go the length of the field to, to tie it. Like that? No. Like now. There's no reason why Washington should have had a timeout in that situation. That is piss poor play calling, I thought. Yeah. But again, that's something else that I nobody cares about because they won. Good, good catch by Cook to for the touchdown and, and all that stuff. Before that. Oh yeah, they're, I mean they're far. Like I said, that was far from a perfect game. There were things that they could do better. But at the end of the day, they did win a road game, though it felt like a home game. I think with all that purple in the stands. That was awesome. Uh, definitely more Vikings fans than uh, than Commanders fans, but uh. and, and ultimately, you know, it matters who wins or loses. And I, as I become older, to me, like when you talk about the great NBA players, and you know, somewhere like uh, when, when I say, "Oh, who was a great player stacking that never won a title?" Who comes to mind? Oh, um, like, yeah, he's great, but oh, he never won. He never won the big one, so. Uh, Penny Hardaway? Did Penny win a championship? No. I mean, like Charles Barkley. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or Patrick, or Patrick Ewing. Mm -hmm. Great Hall of Fame players. And they're, they're penalized because they didn't win. And I'm like, the older I get, I'm like, I don't care. They didn't win a championship. Big fucking deal. Mm -hmm. Well, who cares? They were still great players. So, as they get older, it's like, whatever. Uh, the Bills, the Bills had a great year last season. They didn't win the the thing. And kind of with baseball, like if the Phillies would have won, it'd be like, yeah, good for the Phillies. They had a really great season. They won the World Series, but the Dodgers were good, and the and the Astros were good. Well, some of those teams, like it doesn't matter what they do in the regular season. It matters yeah. what they do in the postseason. And I say that, but then I give the Dodgers a bunch of shit. Like you got to win at least one mm -hmm. in a full season. It's full season. It's like. Dude, come on! So, yep. seven and one. Uh, we're getting into some. I mean, these next two games are the two. Well, I guess the two best teams they'll play the rest of the way. Bills and Cowboys. Yeah, the Jets and the Giants. Also, that didn't look very. Um, I, I'm, appetizing. I'm not concerned with the I, Jets with that fucking quarterback. I think they beat the Giants. I think they have a much better chance to beat the Giants than they do the Jets at this point. But yeah, I don't trust Zach Wilson as far as I can throw him. I think the Cowboys are better than the Giants. So it's a good yeah. schedule this year. And when everybody's bad, like there's no good teams on your schedule. So it's like it's it's hard to play a good schedule because there's no good teams. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody's going to play Buffalo and the Eagles and the Vikings and the Chiefs and the 49ers. Like, so it's like every team's probably going to have a pretty easy schedule, and yet nobody can win any games. So it's 7-1. Like, if, if Buffalo was running on all cylinders, I think this is like a, you know, a four-touchdown blowout. Yes. Yep. But I think if big, big Wyoming hurts – 
and Buffalo's not playing good anyway. I, you know, man, every game has been close, so why not this one be close? So, to your I think point, it'll be close, closer than I closer than I expect, and I think I think they actually have a shot. To your point uh, regarding Big Wyoming, Josh Allen right now being evaluated for right elbow injury to the UCL, the ulnar collateral ligament, which is more often associated with baseball pitchers. But, I mean... Didn't, didn't he have an injury? I swear to God, he had an injury like a couple years ago where like he didn't have surgery, and it was his elbow. And I thought he was going to be out for a year with like Tommy John surgery. And that never happened. Mm-hmm. I, like two years ago. And he like missed a month, and he came back, and he was fine. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm, in, I'm still anticipating that they lose regardless of what happens. I think it would... I think it would suck if Allen doesn't play in the Vikings. Oh, I don't. I don't want him to play at all because I mean, there's give me give me all these garbage ones I can take. I'm oh yeah, yep. yep. Taylor Heineke and, and Teddy Bridgewater. I give me give me a give what Case Keenum. Give me Case Keenum. Yeah, I, that was the thing. It could be Case Keenum and Stephon Diggs. It, it's the Minneapolis miracle uh, get yeah. together in Buffalo. Except Keenum and Diggs are on the other side. Of the of the Vikings this time, it, really interesting. I don't know what I mean. That's one of the big games of the week, regardless if Josh Allen plays or not, just because of the records there. Uh, this week, last week, like week nine, not a great week. Week ten seems to be a lot better, at least on paper. We got the Bills at well, you know what? Maybe not because. Fox has been hyping up this Cowboys Packers like, oh, rivalry reborn. Look at all this stuff. The Packers suck. Shit about the goddamn Packers. They're and awful. The Cowboys. They're awful. Um, so Fox needs to stop hyping that because it's just not good. Chargers 49ers going to be awfully interesting. Um, I think that's the game of the day. Oh, no, you know what? Seahawks-Bucks also, that's the first game ever being played in Germany, in Munich there. That's a early kickoff there. That's going to be an interesting game. The Bucks, I, I, like, I, I keep down in the Seahawks. I'm done with that. They look really good. Uh, I think they beat the Bucks. This is a team that needs to be taken seriously. I still don't think they win the West. I think San Francisco ultimately does. It's a big... On uh, on Prime Video Thursday night when San Francisco visits Seattle, but uh, no, maybe it's is it week fifteen? Week fifteen, excuse me. Um, but you have the Vikings, Bills, and then I don't know, maybe maybe Chargers, Forty Niners, but the both. I of thought them? this was a good week. You had six six of the eleven games decided by a field goal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In terms of close, it's it's like the matchups though. It wasn't looking as appetizing. And the big Rams Bucks matchup. Who gives a shit about? Was terrible. I'm disappointed in the NFL that they didn't flex Bills Jets into there. No, they're not, not going to do that. I mean, that is the rare, the rare Rams Bucks game where it's you know two NFC teams on CBS. And it's the standalone game. Like, we had that a couple weeks ago with Buffalo and Kansas City. And we have, I don't think there's another, I don't think there's another weekend like that, is there, where there's, like, just one game. You had Seahawks-Cardinals. Nobody saw that game. Yeah. Where 
it was we're going to leave the three thirty window open for one game, and these two teams suck. It was uh, well, they had it was Bills Chiefs that had it earlier this year. Um, and I can't. I mean, that really happened. That guy. Maybe it happened maybe once a year. Yeah, it, the NFL's got to stop with that. They, you got to throw at least another game in there for us to 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 wet our whistle. I am looking at though. I'm looking at Christmas week right now. I don't know if the NFL is going to do it because you can't move a game from Saturday to Sunday. So unfortunately, the Sunday night football game is Bucks at Cardinals, which just looks awful at this point. And you got Broncos, Rams. That looks like trash. Uh, Packers, Dolphins. That's at least interesting because the Dolphins are really good. But Saturday, yeah, Chris, you know, it's for those who hate the Packers. It's fun to because the Packers are going to be on TV a lot, and Tampa Bay is going to be on TV a lot here at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And for people that want to see those teams and quarterbacks do awful, there will be plenty of opportunities to watch that. Yes. The Saturday night game, and I understand why the NFL had this in there, Raiders at Steelers, because it's like the the anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, and this is on the heels of John Madden passing away last December. I can't believe it's already been almost a year since that occurred. But that game's got to get flexed out. Because unless... No, that's an NFL network game. Who cares? I'm saying Vikings-Giants is there. If you aren't going to flex that to a late afternoon kickoff, because that would compete with... No, the, the game of the week that week is Eagles at Dallas. Right, so they're not. So that's why I say you're not going to flex it out. There's another week where there's only two late afternoon kickoffs, which has got to change. Uh, I think... I'm fine with an NFL Network game, Raiders-Seahawks, because it's the NFL Network. Well, it's Raiders-Steelers, though. I'm just saying I uh, think yeah, you... I would, if they can, I would flex it to Giants. You can't keep Vikings Giants no, if they're if they're still if they still have those good records. You can't keep that in the noon window. You can't. Oh yes, yes. Why? Because Eagles Cowboys is another one of those. Everybody in the country gets it. They're Seahawks they Chiefs. They're going to flex Seahawks Chiefs in the in that window, I think. In I don't think they're flexing any. When it's a standalone like that, I don't think they're flexing anything. They aren't going to divide up their audience. Like Eagles, Cowboys, that's like a legitimate. All right, that's fine. That, that's deserving, I think, of a standalone 330, the only game on Fox. I'm fine with that. I don't see them flexing any other game into those spots. I, I just think you gotta do. I think you gotta put one of those other games into the to the yeah. late night. They want all the focus on that, and you know they're not changing networks. It's going to be that. So both of those games, by the way, right now are, are scheduled to be on Fox: Seahawks, Chiefs, and Giants, yeah. Vikings. So Chiefs. Uh, so that's what's going on there. Uh, I don't know what the hell's going on in Indianapolis right now. They they fire Frank Reich on Monday, and they named Jeff Saturday interim head coach. Jeff Saturday, current ESPN analyst. I guess he's a consultant with the Colts, but he has no head coaching experience. I, I, I don't mean to make light of this because Jim Mercer has had a history with like painkillers or you know taking you know pills. It's absolutely stunning. I just I don't get. What they're doing in Indianapolis, like it made no sense to 
bench Matt Ryan for Sam Ellinger unless you're trying to get a better draft pick. But at that point, they could have beaten Washington two weeks ago, and maybe that's a moot point then at this stage. But they looked listless against New England, but they were without their top two running backs. They had just traded Naheem Hines, which I think it was a... Like, uh, it just deflated the team. Like, we're trading Hines away. Like, what are we trying to do here with this season? But you're down all these players. And now, I, I, I don't know what the Colts are doing. This is this is madness. Yeah, Sam Ellinger is bad. I'm all for giving a guy a shot. And they gave him a shot, and he sucks. Like, Nick Foles can't get a... Can't, get anything for anybody. Can't start last year with the Bears. Can't get any run with the Colts. He can't fucking find his way in the field with anybody. So unfortunate for him. He should just retire then. Like, if I'm the Colts, enough of the old quarterback stuff. But yeah, I would, I would, you know, I'm open for Bryce Young. I mean... Nobody's talking about like tanking for Bryce Young when I think he's the by far the best quarterback in this draft. The I'll tell you right now, the Kentucky guy is going to go on my shit list of <laughs> Will Levis. Okay. Oh yeah, let's take him number three <laughs> overall. Put him in the fucking pile with Frank and everybody else. Mortals, like get the fuck out of here, you stupid ass. It could, be, it could yeah, be the Hendon Will, Hooker sweepstakes, too. For Kentucky, and you know, he's going to go in the top ten, I guarantee it, maybe even top five. And you know, whatever fucking Detroit or whatever takes him, I'll be like, what a fucking waste of four years that's going to be. What about Hendon Hooker? How about the Hendon Hooker sweepstakes? No, no, he's fine. No, no, no. Like, he's already 25 years old, which is going to be a thing. Like, he's older than probably half the fucking league right now. CJ Stroud do anything for you? No, I say quarterbacks are terrible. Like the only one I like is Bryce Young. Okay, and there's going to be a a lot of quarterbacks taken in this first round. Yes, and the Colts need to get like Bryce Young. You know, the Packers could use a Bryce Young. A lot of you know Carolina. A lot of teams could use Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. But what I mean. Whenever I watch him every week, it's like, holy shit, this guy's great. Look at the throw he made here. Look at this throw. And it's, you know, Will Levis, I don't care you're 6'3". I I get get real. Well, speaking of Bryce Young, this is a year to celebrate because there's going to be no Alabama in the college football playoff. If they make it, then the college football playoff is an absolute fraud and a sham. Alabama loses on a two-point conversion to LSU, 32-31. to uh, Gutsy call by uh, head coach Brian Kelly. I will admit I am absolutely stunned that LSU uh, is playing as well as they are after you know just watching them against Florida State and seeing them get the, the pounded by, by Tennessee. I did not expect this sort of performance by them against Alabama. I thought Alabama would be a lot better. They were not. Um, but this, and I picked Alabama to win the national championship. I said, I, I, I just wasn't trusting Georgia to revamp their defense, and their defense smothered Tennessee on Saturday. That wasn't even a contest, really, and it was rather disappointing to see Tennessee going against a Georgia defense without its best defender in linebacker Nolan Smith. He's out for the year. 
that was a disappointing showing by Tennessee. And now Alabama out LSU, the inside track to the to Atlanta with the SEC West division. Ole Miss kind of still lurking, but wow, that was like everyone was hyping up Tennessee and Georgia, rightfully so. But the statement that was made Saturday, in addition to Georgia, but I think more eye-opening, was LSU beating Alabama. Because it signals the end of Alabama's dominance, at least getting to the college football playoff. Yeah, it was more surprising that LSU won. Georgia, you look at the final score, 27-13, the game wasn't that close. Right. Like Tennessee's big-time offense couldn't do anything. So that was the game that gave me some hope that Georgia's – this was the game that, that made Georgia, oh, yeah, they're the best team. Remember Georgia? Yep. Oh, yeah, we're pretty good, even yep. though we haven't looked at like it at times. So I would still put Georgia as the favorite now yep. before I probably wouldn't. You know, Tennessee's still in a good spot. Yep. And you know, Clemson's out as well, which is good to see. Oh, yeah, they looked awful against Notre Dame. And they were another team. It's like they were eight zero, but who they played? How they looked? Barely beat Syracuse in Death Valley just a couple of weeks prior. They, they barely won at Florida State a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it was a team that they're not. They're undefeated, and I'm glad they don't. I'm glad they're not going to get in because yep, just because you win a major conference, which ACC claims to be. And you are undefeated. Again, that goes back to my thing. I would be completely fine putting in a one-loss team over an undefeated team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have been completely fine putting in Tennessee over Clemson, even though I don't think that would have happened. So they're out. Yeah, LSU stunning that they uh, that they lost, and Alabama not as good as they have been. But again, they lost by one to LSU in overtime. And then they lost to Tennessee on that kick. I mean, so it's a tiny margin for them, but they look done. You could and, you could also say that they should have lost at Texas. Uh, oh yeah, and you know, quarterback doesn't get hurt there. They definitely could have lost that game. So yep. a lot of a lot of close calls for Alabama. So it means a lot to beat them, but in a year in which you're probably going to lose three games. It doesn't mean as much this year because they're just not as good. Well, so maybe that maybe that ultimately hurts Tennessee in the end here because yeah. if they don't make well, it, to but I've come to expect from the college football playoff, it is more about about who you are, not how good you are. Let's say um, let's say Michigan though loses a close game to Ohio State. Yep, yeah, because they're Michigan, they'll be in the conversation. Do you put Michigan but, in ahead of Tennessee? No. Okay. But then T- TCU is like the, even though they're in the Big 12, TCU is not Oklahoma. And TCU is not Texas. So TCU is not going to get the benefit of the doubt if it comes down to it because they're not Texas and Oklahoma. But if it, should, it shouldn't be that way, but that's the way it's fucking been for these past seven or eight years. But, if, Tennessee, but, but if TCU is undefeated. College game day going to be there this uh, in Austin this week. TCU visits Texas. That's a big game. There's no way I could get into, like Cincinnati. They had to go undefeated, and they're in. Yep. TCU, unlike some other teams, 
Georgia can lose. Alabama can lose. Other Ohio State, they could lose to Michigan, and I'm sure they'll be in the mix. Tennessee can lose. TCU is not one of those teams. They cannot lose. Some teams can, some teams can't. Yep. TCU is not one of those teams. Agreed. And I, I, what I was saying is if you have an undefeated TCU squad and you have an undefeated Georgia squad, those two teams are in. And yep. uh, undefeated Ohio State, they're in. And then yep. it becomes uh, then it becomes a, a, a conversation of do you give a one-loss Michigan in? Do you put a one-loss, let's say Oregon finishes just with the one loss, and that's Georgia. Do you put them in? What about a one-loss Tennessee? That's where the conversation really gets interesting here. And even if TCU loses and you have two spots available for three teams, which team gets left out? That's why it's it's just it's, it's really interesting to me, and that's why I think maybe Tennessee, as much as I thought that was a great win, now though that Alabama's lost, does that take away from Tennessee's win a bit? And maybe because Oregon's one loss was to Georgia, who happens to be undefeated, they jump ahead of Tennessee. I think that is a legit possibility, and I think it's a very reasonable argument that Oregon should jump Tennessee. And I can't believe I'm saying that after last week, because I thought Tennessee was in, but I thought Alabama was going to handle LSU, and they did not. I have no interest in Oregon making this playoff. If they got to get in, they got to play Georgia again. That's a game that I am not interested in whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And you've got UCLA and USC in the mix. You have a Pac-12, a one-loss Pac-12 winner. I mean, you uh, what USC and UCLA next week? That is your game of the week next week. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's biggest Pac-12 game in God knows how long. Yep. And one team that we haven't mentioned yet in this discussion of what ifs and what could happens is what if LSU wins the SEC and has two losses, they will be in the playoff. Mm. They if they win out and they beat Georgia, they are going to be in the playoff. I I would need to see the rest of the field. I would need to see what the rest of the field looks like. They, they, I say, regardless of whatever else happens, they're at, they're at Arkansas this week, so don't slip up there. Mm-hmm. They got UAB, and then they got uh, some Division two school at the end of the year. They play South Texas A and M, so they'll beat them. So I, I want to see weird stuff. I want to see some chaos because what they were ten, and that was the big shocker that you know, they were fifteen in the in the twenty five poll, but college football playoff put them at 10. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, this seems a bit strange, mm-hmm. and it probably was. So they're number seven now in the AP poll. So they'll probably be, what, maybe around seven in the college football playoff poll. And you look at, all right, what has to happen for LSU to make it? Well, first they got to win out, which I don't think they will. I think they'll lose to Georgia. Yep. But if they're at seven right now, if they win the SEC, they would jump Tennessee, despite losing to them by a lot. They would jump them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would jump Oregon, potentially. And I think TC is probably going to lose here, probably Texas. And LSU would jump Michigan. Like LSU would might. Like Ohio State would be one. Georgia would probably be two. 
Bringing four, I don't know. You know, I think at, I think LSU, if they went out, they're going to get in at two losses. I need to see what happens with the rest of the field. I can't get on board with that until I see what happens to the rest of these one-loss teams. Or potentially... Pick any team you want from the Pac-12. Like, uh, is, is a Pac-12 team going to be above LSU? They only have one loss. That's a bad loss at home. It, I mean, Florida State's awful. Yeah, I'm not saying I agree with it, but it, I think it's what would happen. Yeah. I, well, if you've got two loss LSU and one loss Oregon, and let's say that's your final spot. Say Ohio State's in, Georgia's in, despite losing LSU. Let's say TCU's undefeated. Get get them in there. It comes down to this: you got one loss Michigan, you've got one loss Tennessee, you've got one loss Oregon, you've got two loss LSU. Hmm. Oregon wins their conference, LSU wins their conference. Michigan lost to Ohio State in a close one. Tennessee lost to Georgia. I would put, Michi- gets- I would put Michigan the- in. Who? I would put Michigan in over LSU. Would you put in Tennessee above Michigan? You're putting Michigan as your final team in? Um, No, I'd probably put Tennessee over Michigan. I would not put LSU ahead of that. I can't. No, no, I, I, I can't. Um, I, 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 would... think that, I think that win against Georgia would almost be like two wins, two or three wins. But Tennessee beat LSU. So in I LSU, know, if LSU could beat Georgia. That would vault them to fucking. I because where where would you expect LSU? Okay, let's say it's LSU Georgia. Georgia's going to be one. LSU is going to be where? Ranked where? It, it um at the so end. Are we talking at the six. end of the year? Huh? We're talking at the end of the year. Going into the SEC title game. The SEC title game, you've got number one Georgia versus number seven LSU, number six LSU. I would say six or seven at this point. Because I, 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 they have no one remaining on their schedule. This is not... I mean, Arkansas just lost to Liberty. So LSU has no one impressive remaining on their schedule. And I don't think they're... they're, they're, they're not, I don't think they're going to beat Georgia. So all of this is... Irrelevant. Yeah, I, but just, I would love if I could control one outcome the rest of the year. I would want LSU to beat Georgia just to see what happens. Yeah, and I think they would put them in ahead of. Uh, yeah, I. I ahead so of many. everybody, ahead of Michigan, ahead of Tennessee, ahead of Oregon. I think they would put them in at number four. I I I cannot. I uh, you know what? It's possible. But I I need to see what happens the rest of the the way. Like if we're ta- if we are seeing one loss Oregon, one loss Tennessee, one loss Michigan, and we have are we saying TCU's got one loss? Then we, we're factoring in a different. Then it's a different conversation. Let's say TCU runs the team. Okay, I would and Georgia. Okay, so TCU's in. Ohio State's in. They're running the table. So that's two spots done. You, you put Georgia in, and then it's down to one spot. No, I do not see LSU, a two-loss LSU team, jumping Tennessee for sure. I could see him jumping over Oregon, 
I could see them jumping over Michigan if Michigan, if the losses by like double digits to Ohio State. If it's a close loss to Ohio State, because that game's going to be on the road, and then I see Michigan maybe holding on to that five spot, I think LSU gets no higher than five, if that all plays out the way it does. I do not think that they would, nor should they, jump Tennessee, assuming Tennessee stays with one loss, because Tennessee went into Death Valley and beat the pants off of LSU by 27. So no, I do not think LSU would be in, nor should be in, if they beat Georgia. Old Miss is 11th in the AP poll, or 8-1, and one, and they host Alabama this week. That's... They get to 11-1. If they win that, they should be 11-1. They're not getting in. I don't think there's any way Old Miss gets in, right, even though they have one loss. Yeah, because they lost to LSU, which is... Now, and that was an impressive win by LSU. I almost feel like that was the, the turning point. If we're going to look back at LSU's season, we're going to look at seventeen down 17-3 to three in the second quarter against Ole Miss and then outscoring them 42-3 to three the rest of the way as the reason why LSU, like that, that springboarded their, um, their success. Uh, we're down to seven teams for four spots. I would agree with that. Georgia... Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Tennessee, yep, LSU. I'm putting in there, and then one of the Pac-12 winners, whoever comes out of that three-horse race, mm-hmm. will be in the mix. I think that's what we're down to. There's another team stacking who I think is pretty bad. Uh, North Carolina, they're eight and one. Uh, they're at they're at Wake Forest this week, so maybe they lose. They play at Georgia Tech, or they play, they host Georgia Tech, and then they play North Carolina State, so I feel like if they could beat uh, Wake Forest, they're probably going to be 11-1. But Wake Forest just lost to NC State, so no, I can't, no, that's that's not a significant win to me anymore. I think they could lose, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, certainly they could. I mean, it is in, it is But if they go 11-1, and they're going to play Clemson in the title game, they're another team that's going to be left out yep. despite only having one loss. So. Yep, and they should be. However, I will say this. I really love their quarterback. I think he's very good, and I think UNC, if their defense can get up to to speed a little bit here for next year, I think UNC, like, the, my, if I'm already giving you a dark horse prediction yeah. for a college football playoff team, UNC is my team next year. UNC. Mark it down. Um, Drake May. Just fantastic. I'll mark, them, I'll mark him down to make the music city. Okay. I'm just Are saying the there? defense got to get a little better. But I think UNC has I, – I, I really like what UNC could do next year. Um, well, I, don't, I don't like it sacking because they got a tough non-conference. You know who they play? Minnesota? Yes. Good. A Minnesota team without Tanner Morgan or – Mo Ibrahim. That that game is in UNC, I believe, right? Yes. Okay. Um, your game of the week this week. What is it? Oh, what was it last week? It was uh, Tennessee Georgia. That did not. Yeah. yeah, last week was a bad week for football or for uh, college. Again, another bad, not not a good week. Mm-hmm. Did not like a lot of what I saw. Uh, this week's game of the week. Alabama Ole Miss. Okay. 
game I'm interested in the most. Uh, yeah, TC Texas, I guess. Texas, a seven-point favorite. So, the public, not, not appreciative of TCU. Is that going to be your upset of the week? I'll go with that. I'll go TC over Texas. Okay. Public day just can't get enough of the fucking Texas Longhorns. So, I'll do that. And uh, my watch your ass game of the week would be North Carolina at Wake Forest. Wake Forest is favored by three and a half, so I don't know if I like that. But I think it comes to an end for North Carolina here uh, at Wake Forest. Okay. Very good. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you another one. Okay, that's that's too easy. Watch your ass game of the week: LSU at Arkansas. All right. Watch your ass, LSU. That that is a you know what? Given what just happened to both teams, I think that it's very reasonable. By the way, Jason Taylor's son playing tight end, a freshman at LSU. Damn, do I feel old. Cadillac Williams is the new head coach in Auburn. Is that a permanent thing? It's an interim thing. Oh, that, I mean, I... Cadillac Williams. Yeah. Wildcat. Head coach. He's he's a man because he's 40. <laughs> and he's the coach. Oh, my gosh. Oklahoma State, they are just trash. Jacques, you know Jacques Vaughn? You remember who Jacques Vaughn is? Um, I, the, the name is very familiar. He used to play for Kansas, the Kansas Jayhawks. Jacques Vaughn, he is now the head coach of the Nets since they fired Steve Nash. Jacques Vaughn is 47. He's got a very gray beard. He's only 47. I but wouldn't he... have a gray beard, too, if I had to coach the Nets. And he was with Kansas, you know, Ninety-seven, he was senior point guard for Kansas, and I remember him. And now he looks like he's about, you know, he looks like he's about hundred years old. So, uh, was it a, there's a Sante Samuel Jr. out there. Yes, there is. He uh, plays for the Chargers. Like, how's that even possible? <laughs> it's, I don't know. It seems like Asante Samuel was still was just in the league like three years ago. He was just in the league. Yeah, like how old do you have a kid? So, yeah, I mean, Antoine Winfield Jr., for Christ's right. sake. Yeah. So. Uh, we should mention that Jack's narrow victory over Northern Iowa didn't play great, but they did survive. They it's they have the Missouri Valley uh, Conference Championship. Like, it's, it's a um, – they could, I guess, share it, but they have a share, at least, of the Mo Valley Conference Got to beat Illinois State this week. I think they will. It's going to be cold. But you win this game, you get two weeks off, you get everyone to heal up. And again, I think that road's going to go through Brookings. Even if Sacramento State is undefeated, I think it. you got to give the Jacks the one seed. But uh, a hard-fought win against Northern Iowa. They've had a very daunting road schedule at uh, UND, at NDSU, at Northern Iowa. And for them to be able to... To get those wins. And even Missouri State was like, they had just come off a tough loss to Arkansas. So Missouri State at that time was like a legit team. And now they've fallen off the rails since. But this has been a very difficult year for the Jacks, just given the, a number of injuries and the road schedule. But uh, you beat Illinois State, you're 11 and 1. 
or 10 and 1, excuse me, you absolutely, absolutely deserve to be the number one team. And congratulations on at least a share of the of the Valley title. I think they win it outright this week. And come down to them, I guess, in Sacramento State. Yep. For the one. Not that it matters a whole lot. Maybe we'll get home field throughout. But Sacramento State beat Montana State. Did they not? When did they beat Montana State? Nope, didn't even play them. So the second best team in the Big Sky, Montana State, they didn't even play. Uh, they beat Montana. Montana six and three. They beat Weber State last week. That's a good win. Yep. And they're big. You know, they beat. They won at Northern Iowa as well, and they also won at Colorado State, which doesn't mean a hill of beans. No. So I, I would lean towards the Jacks, but I think there's a shot they could be a two seed uh, behind Sacramento State. Oh yeah, certainly there's a shot they they could be, but yeah, it's I think it comes down to Sacramento State or or SDSU. I'm going to give the edge to the Jacks. I mean, that's a close. I seven. would. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't, but I I would give it to SDSU. I mean, I mean the Iowa game was close. You don't even count that game because it's a Big Ten team, but that was close. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that game against Iowa is better than a win versus Colorado State. So yes. that's another one where it's like, well, I didn't win, but I'd rather have that than beating a terrible Colorado State team. So, yeah, and, and, you know, and, and you know what we're going to see for like the first time in about 10 years? What's that? North Dakota State, you're going to have to go on the road for once in the playoffs. Hopefully, if, if, unless there are upsets. Um, that will certainly be nice, though. They will not have to have the comforts of the Fargo Dome so they can freeze their ass off outside somewhere else. Yes. Unless, unless they have to go and, to and do something the Jacks have done numerous times, which is win a playoff game on the road. Yeah, and, and SDSU had to do it. They had to win all but the, the what they won at the one home wild card game, and then they had to go to Villanova and win that one. They had to go to Sacramento State win that one. Just too tired, couldn't because that was last year. They played a game in all four time zones yeah. in the playoffs, and ultimately. Uh, they lost, and then you know you had Coach Eck leaving to Idaho, so that was maybe in part why they. I mean, maybe they just ran out of gas against Montana State. I don't know. Um, I don't know what actual attendance people in seats will be Saturday. I'll give them a pass because it's going to be very cold. Yep. But any game under ten thousand people. Running these playoff games is embarrassing whether or not. Yes, agreed. And I, I don't think that will be the case this year. There's a great amount of um, enthusiasm for Jack Rabbit. We've seen that at every home game this year. They've had great crowds. Um, I don't expect I don't expect them to get a crowd of ten thousand the rest of the way. I, I hope you're wrong. I I, I, I doubt there's going to be five thousand people there Saturday. I bet they're closer to ten. Probably the attendance will be close to 10, but actual people in the stands, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I think, I think people are going to sit this one out. It's cold. It's going to probably be wind chills of below zero, which I'm, I'm fine with. Don't go watch a football game right. if it's negative five wind chill. It's, going to, it's supposed to be 25 degrees with northwest winds at 30 to 40. Ouch. So, yeah, it's, don't, don't, don't. Don't go to the SDSU game this weekend. Wait wait until December when it should be a little bit warmer. 
We hope. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. So there we go. Um, College football talk. Let's jump uh, to the World Series. Houston Astros, winners of the World Series. And I would just like to say you're welcome, Houston, because I was worried that Philadelphia was going to win it after Game 3. And what does Houston do? A combined no-hitter Game 4. Shut down the Phillies' bats the rest of the way. Jeremy Pena is great. Uh, uh, I mean, Tucker Bregman, everyone. Uh, Jordan Valdez, uh, or not, uh, Alvarez, right? Jordan, Jordan Alvarez, big one. Yeah. Uh, monster three-run shot in game uh, game six to seal the deal. Uh, so congrats to Dusty Baker and the Houston Astros. By the way, Dusty Baker wearing those gloves, he looks like he's going to give a colonoscopy. He looks like a proctologist with those gloves on. I Funny, funny you say that. He does give uh, prostate exams after the seventh inning stretch. Oh, very, very interesting. The players and fans who want them, so... All right. Well, he's doing two two jobs at once. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, this was a very entertaining World Series, I think. Just given everything that was uh, that happened, that took place, you had the no-hitter, the second no-hitter ever in the World Series. I get that it's combined no-hitter, and that takes away some of it. But uh, you, you had the little back and forth. You had the great comeback in Game 1, uh, the, the Phillies' bats exploding in Game 3, uh, and then the no-hitter, the, the great defensive plays in Game 5 for the Astros. Um, just a very, very good World Series overall. I would say this is one of the more entertaining World Series I can recall in in a few years. I was happy that Christian Javier threw another no-hitter. Six innings. He did that against the Yankees. He threw like six no-hit innings, and they had a no-hitter against the Yankees earlier this year. So, And what was I thinking just asking, who is this guy? I'm a little worried, uh, concerned about him. Well, I, don't I mean, I thought he was great. I think he's fantastic. Yep. He'd be the Twins' best pitcher by a long shot. So mm-hmm. good for him. And Yeah, this, uh, the pitching. For me, the story is the pitching of Houston. They just shut down this Phillies offense that kicked so much ass. Throughout the playoffs, they had two runs in Game Five, and they had one run on Saturday. Mm-hmm. They scored three runs the last three games. That's that's how you don't win. Verlander mm-hmm. again, he was a little shaky. He's a, kind of like the Clayton Kershaw almost. It is. He did not pitch great, but again, he got the win. Five innings, one run. He gave up four walks, which is bad. He gave up four hits. Struck out six. I mean, Phillies, they had chances to take the lead early in that one, but they failed to do so. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought Verlander, I thought they would lose that game. So good for him. The Houston bullpen was A++ excellent. They were just, I think they finished with the third best ERA for any bullpen. Wow. In uh, postseason history. I think their ERA was close to a half a run. Holy cow. I don't know if they gave up more than, you know, three or four runs the entire playoffs. So it's one way to build the world championship team. So I didn't really like their hats they had. I'll get one when they're five bucks next summer. <laughs> um, I, got, I wore my uh, Astros 2017 World Series hat to work today. Nice. So. Obviously, I'm very pleased that Houston won. 
Oh, yes. And unlike Clemson, uh, thrown off the bandwagon. We make a lot of predictions and we say, you know, this player, this team's going to be good or bad or whatever, but you can put it on my tombstone, Clemson and the Houston Astros. It's like we kind of were ahead of the curve on that one. Yes. Orange. 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 Pick a, be good with an orange team and I'll like you. So it's not like, oh, yeah, they won. They, they won. Uh, like, oh, yeah, the Toronto Raptors, they won the NBA Finals one year that everybody's forgotten about. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, Houston, this is the Houston Astros era of baseball. Yes. They, they've been the dominant team for the last six years. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they've made it to the ALCS in each of the last six years. Have they not? They have. Never happened before. They've made the World Series for the past six years. They've won it twice. I think they're going to win it again next year. I think they're going to go back-to-back. No teams won it back-to-back. I think since the Yankees in, what, 2000? Mm-hmm. So, I think I had the Astros to win it at the beginning of the playoffs, and they did. And I think they're going to win it again next year. I don't see anybody in the American League giving them much of a, of a series. We need to see what the Yankees are going to do with all their free agents. It looks like the Yankees are just, I mean, they just blew past the Yankees like they were fucking Santa. Oh, no, I'm not saying that that they're the ones that are going to be in the mix. I'm just saying the Yankees, we'll have to see what they look like because they have a lot of players potentially headed for free agency. Yeah, Yankees are like that Dodger thing. You're always in there, but you never win. Mm Mm-hmm. You would expect Boston to make a bounce back. They Baltimore, Baltimore is the team to watch out for. And Seattle, I hope Seattle yes. can sustain this thing here. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I want to be a, I want to be a Seattle fan, just not against Houston. So I think the American League is pretty weak for the Astros, and we've got the you know the National League, which who knows what random teams are going to come out of there every year. Yep. But now we get um, like. Standard schedule, like everybody plays everyone. So, That'll be so uh, a more variety of teams instead of playing Kansas City and Detroit 18, 19 times. I don't want to play those teams. Mm-hmm. They suck. It's nice for the schedule, nice for the win column, but don't want that. Um, you smell something? Oh, yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. That stove, it's burning. It's starting to burn. We're getting the DR wood chipper out. We're cutting wood. We're splitting logs. We're getting prepared for the winter, Crins. We're getting prepared. Hot stove is on. Stacking the goddamn hot stove is on. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to be fast and furious. We've got a great free agents cla- free agency class. Uh, a lot of pitchers out there. A lot of good shortstops. We're going to have billions and billions of money spent here over the next month on the baseball players. Uh, it's going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun for me. So I, 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 I will keep the stove burning. I will keep the wood, wood, uh, wood burning, and we'll, we'll make talk. Sure, make sure the kids don't get burnt. Say, hey, Noah, this is the MLB hot stove, the free agency off-season hot stove. Don't touch it. It's dangerous. Yes. It burn your kid. Yes. Oh, yeah. We don't want to do that. You know, we have to learn to be careful around the stove, and we'll make sure he understands that. There's already been one big free agent signing. What's that one? The Mets signed closer Edwin Diaz to the richest contract for a relief pitcher in the history of baseball. You want to guess what it was? 
Uh, it was a five-year deal for Mr. Diaz, who has had a couple of excellent years for the Mets. A five-year deal for Edwin Diaz to stay in New York. Five years for a pitcher to throw 60 innings a year. $125 million. 102. Ah. You know, he's plenty good and, you know, whatever. Get paid. What do I care? It doesn't matter. But he's, he's, he's excellent. But Christ, he only throws 62, 62 innings the last two years he's thrown in each season. He struck out 118 batters in 62 innings, which is ridiculous. It's 17 you know, hitters per nine innings, so that's Pretty goddamn good, mm-hmm. but I can't imagine he'll have a, ever a better year than he had this year. One point three one ERA, a sub one FIP uh, and WHIP. All of his good numbers were low and good, so good for him. Twenty million a year. I would never spend that much on any reliever, but the Mets did so good for them. Uh, staying in New York, and you mentioned this team earlier. Uh, we'll switch gears to the to basketball, in the NBA, and there's. We mentioned this a little bit last week, but got to get into it more because the you know the anti-Semitic nature of you know Kyrie Irving's poster, you know, talk, you know, promoting this movie that promotes anti-Semitism, and um, he, he refused to apologize in a media session and. I mean, this has been going on for like almost a week, uh, five days, I think. And then the the Nets were like, nope, you, you, we've given you multiple chances. They suspend him for at least five games. I think this was what, as of last Wednesday? Uh, and then Adam Silver finally makes a statement, the NBA commissioner saying, I, I'm going to meet with him at some point because this isn't good. And then a forced apology happens with Mr. Irving um, it was either Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. It's just, it's bad. It's such a bad look. And then Kevin Durant doesn't make matter, help matters. Like, oh, you know, this wasn't a, you know, I'm, you know, love and everything like that. But he didn't really, like, chastise Kyrie the way he should have. And then LeBron speaks out, and then Durant says, well, I don't think LeBron's comments help. I think they hurt more than anything. So, what the hell are you talking about? This is Kyrie Irving who started all this. LeBron is the one speaking up like, yeah, we can't have this shit. And Durant here is like, oh, well, what's what's LeBron doing stirring the pot? Shut up, KD. Just shut the hell up and go play basketball. I hope Kyrie Irving never sees the floor again. Uh, he will, but... I mean, the Nets just look terrible, and then they're talking about, you know, getting this Udoku or Udoki, you know, the, the, the Celtics head coach that got suspended a year, and now maybe that's on the back burner. They won't do that because uh, it was already a bad optical, you know, just a bad look, uh, given what was what happened there at Boston, and now you're on the heels of this anti-Semitism, Kyrie Irving thing. It's just the Nets. Just get out of my sight. And... I know we're ta- I'm talking about them right now. We're talking about them. The national media is talking about them. Let's all do let's all do each other a solid here and stop talking about the Brooklyn freaking Nets. Let's just yeah. stop. There's some stupid people out there as well. Oh yes. Kyrie Irving's one of them. He's stupid. There was a, there was a, a Twitter video I saw today he's of a stupid. Huh? 
He's dangerous, too, with his stupidity. Yeah. It's not like, oh, he thinks this, like, this is bad stuff. People get killed and stuff like this. Uh, part of the interruption had a Twitter video, I guess, from four years ago, somebody found where you know, Kyrie Irving thought the earth was flat. Yes. Yep. And at the time, people were kind of, ha, ha, that's funny. He's a stupid, dumb shit. Does he really believe that? I don't know. Is he just joking? What is he doing? But no, he really believes that shit because he's a fucking idiot. Yeah. You know, he went to Duke for a year. He played eight games there. I'm surprised Coach K hasn't said anything. Coach K is of Jewish descent. He should be ashamed that Kyrie Irving ever put on the Duke blue. He should be ashamed of that. And he, I wish he would come out and say yeah. something. Well, as we maybe transition to the end of the, of the podcast with Election Day and whatnot, this ties in good with this. Of you know, things are at a dangerous point in the country. It's not hyperbole to say certain things are at a bad, bad point now. Like, we don't have to be a democracy. Like, we don't have to have elections. We don't have to have any of this shit. And this shit ain't going to last much longer. But we have to call out stupid people. Mm-hmm. Like, we have to shun them from society. We have to, you know, erase them, cancel them, whatever the hell you want to call it. And this... Yeah, this isn't like oh uh, the, you're you know you're restricting free speech. No, we're restricting hate and the stupidity that comes. With, like there's a difference between free speech and like slander, libel, or or language that can incite violence against another party. That's what we're trying to silence here. So Elon Musk can go suck it. Like as far as I'm concerned with his, with what oh the blue check mark whatever like he's awful. Um, you know, kind of a hypocrite, and I know that's a kind of a, a separate tangent, but that's kind of the point. But, that but we're it all ties about. together. It all ties together. Yes, because Kyrie Irving uses Twitter, and the internet is nice. But if I could, if I was in charge, I would have LSU and the SEC to see what would happen. And if I was in charge, I would get rid of the fucking internet and have it never have been invented. Because ultimately, the the downfall in society and the culture in the country, you can talk about Fox News and and all this other stuff, and you talk about Trump. The number one thing is the internet. Mm -hmm. How how the country die, how the democracy die, it died because of the internet. Because anybody can spread lies, anybody can say anything. Look at what happened last week at right after Elon Musk bought or like the the purchase went through for Twitter. You have all the the right wing people out there, and you know what? If you if you vote Republican, that's fine. But there are some very extreme nut jobs on that side, just like there are on the left. Not saying there aren't, but you have all these kind of nut jobs out there who are then spreading conspiracy theories and hoaxes and stuff and joking about this Paul Pelosi deal and say no it's like a gay lover and all this crap it's like you're spewing garbage and hate and stuff like and people are absorbing this and thinking it's real it's one thing to put that stuff out there but again why people think this shit is real is beyond me if we're too smart and they're too dumb i think it comes down to that you got to be smart enough to decipher what's real and what's fake Mm mm-hmm and there's tens of millions of people who do not have that mental capacity. We call them what they are. They're morons, they're idiots, they're dummies, they're stupid. Mm-hmm. It's what it is. And it's one side. It's 
And if you vote Republican, I would ask you why. If you vote Republican, I would say you have no morals because you don't at this point. Like, it never used to be this bad. No. And it's like Kyrie Irving quit on his team last year because he wouldn't get a vaccine. Mm-hmm. At that point, I would have said, all right, we'll see you. Once you get your vaccine, you can come back. But if you're not, enjoy your time here because you sure as hell haven't won us any games. Mm-hmm. With the cure-all for everything. Like, at this point, get rid of him. Why? Guys of uh, much less talented players have been uh, released and cut for a lot less than this. He's, he's not helping you win. What, what is he doing? Is what he's contributing, his 30 points a game, is that is that helping you win games? Uh, the same with Kevin Durant. We tried this thing, we got all these Hall of Famers together, and none of it worked. Well, just remember, the, what was it, the KG, Paul Pierce, what was the, the who's the other guy? Yeah, it was those two guys, and they were at the end of their run. It's like, Jesus yeah. Christ, like, what are you doing? They're just trying to, you're just trying to get into the playoffs. Here, it was championship or bust, and it didn't happen. I did. I just wish Kevin Durant, and he, he's you know he he's very soft skinned, kind of like Elon Musk. Um, but like all, you, all these people have to do, like I don't know what LeBron said. LeBron, what, what did he say? He said, "Yeah, this is bad." Yeah, um, it like oh, like it's not that hard. Have more people out there be like Charles Barkley. Yes, Barkley. He said, "Suspend him. Get rid of him. Be gone with him. Be done with him. It's not that tough." Don't, oh, well, I don't know. Kyrie Irving, I like him. He's my friend. He's my teammate. So, you know, one of his teammates should come out and say, you know what, he quit on us last year uh, when he had a chance to be a good team. He wasn't there for half the games. Uh, I think he's a piece of shit. I, I never want to be teammates with him again. If I was the owner and general manager, I'd fucking cut him and say, get the fuck out of here. Why doesn't Kevin Durant say that? Why doesn't one of his teammates have some fucking balls and say, you know what? I don't want to play with this piece of shit. My beliefs are not his. I don't want to be associated with him. I don't want to share a locker room with him. I don't want to be around him. I don't want him to be in the NBA. Be like that and say, you know what? Fuck you. And if you do that, I think you'd find a lot of support uh, for this instead of people like Kevin Durant pussyfooting around the goddamn situation saying, well, I don't know. It's not that bad. Or this is that. And say, come on. You know what? What he said was wrong. And I don't like it. And... Well, so this is what LeBron James said last week um, after, you know, he expressed disappointment in Kyrie Irving, said me personally, I don't condone any hate of any kind to any race, to Jewish communities, to black communities, to Asian communities. You guys know where I stand. Um, He also said, quote, nobody can benefit from Irving's harm, quote, harmful behavior. And then another quote here, I believe what Kyrie did caused some some harm to a lot of people. It doesn't matter what color your skin is, how tall you are, what passion or pos- what position you're in. If you are promoting or soliciting or saying harmful things to any community that harms people, then I don't respect it. I don't condone it. And that's the that's what Kevin Durant has a problem with. Oh, like it, it, it like what are you talking about, KD? Your teammate is the piece of shit here. I it just it boggles my mind that. He says that LeBron, what LeBron James did was more harm, like was harmful. Like didn't do, it didn't serve any purpose. What are you talking about, Kevin Durant? Just go away. Like he's a guy that I don't 
need to ever see play basketball again. As great as he is, it's clear to me that he's A, soft skin, and B, his moral compass is all sorts of messed up. If he's going to kind of take the stand, not not like, obviously he's saying, oh, I disagree with what Kyrie Irving said, but that like, he, and he turns it on the media. It's just, Katie, get out of here. I'm, I'm tired of you. I'm tired of you. Get out. Like, everything LeBron said was good, and I agree with it all. And everybody should say the same thing. Yes. Like, it's not, it's not that hard. Like, it just isn't that hard. It's like, oh, yeah. Again, we got to shun the people from society because it's gotten to that point where it's not just a few people that nobody cares about. No, it's a lot of people that people care about, a lot of people that people listen to that spread this shit, and it becomes a problem, and people die from it. We saw it on January 6th. Mm-hmm. We, people are going to die. We've got elections. we got tough guys with their guns, and they think they're going to stop people from voting. It's like, you hate to say this is the end, but I'm pretty sure it's the end. It's, it's just, it's bad. It, it just, there's no justification. I think I saw, what was it, Robert Kraft has done some anti-Semitism, um, you know, like, like, stop this anti-Semitism nonsense. He's put, you know, he's put together PSA commercials and all that stuff. But I think he had talked to Peter King, and I don't have the exact, but I'm pretty sure he, it's like Jewish people make up two per, 2.2% of the country, but 57% of the hate crimes. It's something, it's some astronomical number like that. So just think about that. That yeah. number of people and over half of the hate crimes are against that minority there? Like, and then you have Kyrie Irving doing that? Like, what, what is going on here? Just be done with it. Like, go away. Get, leave the country. We don't need that shit. We don't. Yeah, I agree. It, it's just, it's ridiculous. So he deserves every bit of criticism and chastising. And I don't, honestly, I don't care what happens to him. Just leave. Get out of my sight. You and KD, get out. And unfortunately. I'm sure he'll sure be playing basketball next week. I'm sure he will too. And it sucks because it shouldn't happen. And bad things happen. Like it feels like good things happen to bad people. That's what's kind of going on here. It just shouldn't. It shouldn't happen. Um, college basketball is tipped off now. We're we're talking right now. College basketball has tipped off. Uh, we can certainly do more of a, a preview here. We're excited for the season. At least I am. I would presume you are as well. So we'll be talking a lot of college basketball throughout the the year. Um, I'll be honest, like my preview for the blog is going to be a little different this year. I'm not going quite as in-depth with each conference. Been a lot of moving parts, a lot of stuff going on. But I think this is going to be a very interesting year. Indiana is really good. But I, I'm sold on my four teams. I've been sold on them for a while. Of course, you got Gonzaga. Uh, there's talk about them going to the Big 12. We'll see where those talks go. And Gonzaga is going to be really good. What, Drew Timmy's back? I think, I mean, that's that's instantly boosts Gonzaga's resume, but I, I can't put them in the final four. I just don't trust them. My final four, and I, do you have your final four at all? Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Okay, my final four, UNC. UNC's returning 
almost their entire roster back. You got Armando Baycott. You got what? Um, like you got your your point guard. You got every. You got a lot of pieces coming back. You have some really good recruits coming in. So I love what Hubert Davis has done. I'm taking UNC. Duke, this is the first year without Coach K. So give me I, I it's kind of like UNC last year when Hubert Davis took over for Roy Williams. It's that year one transition. Need to see what they're gonna do. I like Kentucky this year. Oscar Shibway comes back. That's a huge feather in the cap for them. I think Kentucky's gonna be really, really good. Kansas, also really good. The Big 12 is really tough though. Big 12's got Baylor and Texas. Texas Tech's uh, really good. Of course, Kansas. Oklahoma State's going to be much improved. They don't have that postseason ban. I really like what Oklahoma State can do. TCU, Jamie Dixon did a wonderful job last year. TCU's going to be really good. Uh, It's just the Big 12 arguably could be considered the best conference in all of college basketball. Uh, And they almost have had three straight champions. Texas Tech lost to Virginia the year we were at the Final Four there in Minneapolis in overtime. Then Baylor won it in Indy, and Kansas won it last year. So they're good, but I don't have any of those teams in the Final Four. I have UNC. I have Kentucky. I have a team that will be in the Big 12 next year. Houston. Uh They're they're the hot flavor. A lot of people like them, but the way they play defense... uh, Sess, uh, I mean, they're getting a lot of their guys back. Some of those guys who missed out on the tournament last year are coming back, like what Ralph Sampson's done in, in Houston. So give me Jim Nance's alma mater to make it to the Final Four again. And then this team is the wild card in this. But I liked them last year. I liked the youth that, that this team had. And you add one of the best players in the transfer portal in Baylor Shireman. Give me the Creighton Blue Jays to make it to the Final Four. They've never made it past the Sweet 16. They're going to the Final Four this year. So give me, essentially, it's all blue. It's Kentucky, well, not really, I guess Houston's not blue. But give me Kentucky, North Carolina, Houston, and Creighton to get to the Final Four. North Carolina is a pretty big favorite. I'll pick them to win the whole thing. It really hasn't happened where a team has brought back everybody for the most part. You know, so I I hope to watch more Carolina basketball than I have in a decade because I kind of know everybody on the team. Mm-hmm. So all my enjoyment and they should be very good. So I hope to watch a lot of North Carolina basketball. And get back into that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that, that means something to me. So I'll take North Carolina. I'll take Houston. They're usually in the mix. And a lot of people like Houston. I'll take them. You know, is always there. They usually disappoint. That would be an easy, you know, I should at least get to the Sweet 16. You got Gonzaga, and then you got the last spot where it could be. I mean, you, know, you got you know, you're, you're, you know Kansas and Kentucky, and you got Baylor and all these other teams that are that have had good runs. So, mm-hmm. I guess I like Carolina, Houston for two. I hate to, I hate to pick Gonzaga, so I won't. Okay. 
I won't pick Gonzaga. That so we both don't have Gonzaga not only not winning the national championship, but getting to the final four. Because I think a lot of people kind of have Gonzaga in that final four mix, and we're both keeping them out. That's a little interesting. Their time has come. They're the Dodgers. It's like, all right, you you've had your. They're the Packers. You've had your shot, and we're done. You you should have won it a couple of years ago. So I'll take Carolina. I'll take Houston. Um, I'll take a team that gets there once in a while and sometimes surprisingly gets there. I will take UCLA. Okay. To make a Final Four. Um, I hate to pick Baylor, so I won't. Hate to pick Kentucky, so I won't. Uh, let's go Arkansas. That's very solid. They have a great recruiting class. What was the team last year that I was really high on? And uh, it was Arkansas. Was it Arkansas last year? Yeah, I think what they made the Elite Eight, and they got a buy. And this is a team that. All right, you got to recruit, and I'll do something. I hate teams that are highly hyped, like Texas A&M football. Yep. We've got all these recruits. Well, yeah, you're going to go four and six, four and eight. Great job recruiting, Jimbo. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what uh, what Arkansas can do. They almost made it last year, so I think that's Carolina, uh, Arkansas, Houston, and UCLA. So two blues and two reds. That's my final four right. with the Carolina beating. Uh, UCLA in the final. Okay, very good. I have North Carolina against, I'll go Houston. I, I'll take Houston to beat Kentucky, North Carolina to take down Creighton. What I like here, I guess, you know, certain guys got uh, extra COVID years. Mm-hmm. But I, and, and the one and done might be done here soon. Yeah. I think uh, they, they're changing that where high schoolers can go back to the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like that there's so many North Carolina guys mm-hmm. that are staying. Uh, you got uh, Baycott, you got uh, uh, what, Davis, the guard, you got Caleb Love, the yep. guard. Uh, you got Oscar Shibway, who's back for Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people were familiar. Drew Timmy's back for his 10th year. That's good. <laughs> um, so I th- whether that's... I don't know if that's like the the NLI stuff. The the you know the, yep. you can pay players now. You can get uh, sponsorships and endorsements. I like think that may, helps. I think that has a lot to do with it. And I can stay here in the in, in the college ranks. Well, I think and I, can, I can make a million dollars and and do this in a million dollars is a lot of money. So. I, I think that's a, a prime example of that is Drew Timmy because he's tried to go through now the NBA draft process here. Like he's go well, he has gone through it. Now, I think for two years, and he just, like, his draft grade hasn't been that great. I think, you know, maybe a second-round pick, maybe undrafted, but you'd still, you know, get on a roster at some point. But if, you know, you can play on a on a team as good as Gonzaga, if you can make some of that NIL money, yeah, why not Why not stay? And again, he's going to be a guy who probably won't ever even play in the NBA. It's like a guy we know. Like Mike Dunn. Yeah. Yeah, a guy that will who's had a great college career, and then a couple of years down the road, we'll forget about him, and somebody will bring him up and say, "Oh yeah, he was around for a long time, and he was really good, but he never played because they didn't give him a shot, or he just wasn't good enough to, to make it." So, 
he's one of those guys. So I think it's good for college basketball to have guys return. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, for whatever reason, people hate, you know, the college administrators or whoever hate paying the players. But ultimately, I think it's going to be very much a positive thing and not the dreaded thing that people thought it would be. And I think we're already seeing the positives of that. Uh, it should be noted this will be Jim Nance's last year calling the Final Four before it goes to Iron Eagle. Uh, so If his last line isn't goodbye, friends, then he can go to hell. <laughs> That's very good. Um, mentioned Mike Dom. We should talk about the Jacks. Here, they they will be right up there considered. I mean, losing Baylor Shireman's huge. If Baylor Shireman were back, I think the Jacks' overwhelming favorites for the for the Summit League title only. You know, Oral Roberts would be that only other team I think that could compete with them. Uh, NDSU's lost a lot of players. I don't expect NDSU to to be that significant this year. USD kind of waiting for them. Oral Roberts, though, Max Abes misses back. I think they got a, like a seven-footer from Arkansas who transferred in. I want to pick the Jacks. I think you got Zeke Mayo, fantastic. You got a lot of good role players. Alex Arians, the, you know, the like. Uh, you get the, what, Matt Moores from, from Yankton. He was at Wisconsin. He comes in now. So that's a significant get in the transfer portal for the Jacks. I think they're a team maybe to watch for next year. I'm taking Oral Roberts to win the Summit League. Uh, that They seem to be that that flavor, but you just look at it a little bit more, and I, th- I just think the loss of Baylor Shireman is going to be too much to overcome for the Jacks, but they will have a very solid year. They're opening up with Akron. We'll know what, what happens there by the time this podcast is uploaded. I think they could beat Akron. Uh, you, you have some good uh, non-conference games like Alabama, Boise State. That's a good one as well. Um, Arkansas? Yes, Arkansas, and that's on a back-to-back. That's on my birthday. I, I expect the Jackrabbits to lose that game. I think the one year they did win on my birthday was against Mississippi State. Wanna huh. say. They play St. Bonaventure the night before there again at the, at the Pentagon. So. Yep. Their, their, first, what, their first home game isn't until like November 19th or something yeah. like that. Um, but the Jacks will be good. I just like Oral Robert on the men's side. And on the women's side, this is as good of an SDSU team as we have seen. The hype is there. The build-up's there. Maya Sellen got all these good recruits. We'll see what Paige Myers can do, you know, coming back. I think she's the one that tore ACL, right? Uh, or had that knee injury last year. Um, so, but SDSU is going to be really, really good. Overwhelming favorites, I think, over USD. USD, of course, the second-best team. But I think SDSU just runs away with it. Can they keep that top 25 ranking for the majority of the season? Not saying they're going to go undefeated in the non-conference. You got that battle for Atlantis, which is just incredible here. That's uh, was that over Thanksgiving week weekend, yeah. I think. Where um, you're going to play yeah. like UCLA, Tennessee's in there. That it's, it's a very good tournament. And then you have South Dakota State, and like, wait, what's going on here? But the women are very good. This is Sweet 16. I don't want to say Sweet 16 or bust, but that's what it, it kind is, of feels it like. Is. It, it is. is. Like, they have to They have to do that. You just won the WNIT last year, uh, playing every game at home, but you throttled everyone. Again, Maya Sellen, the best player in the conference coming back. It is. It should be Sweet 16 or bust for this team, assuming everyone can stay healthy because injuries always factor in here, and the Jacks seem to lose several players, but no team arguably has as deep of a roster or like playing – 
as many players as they do throughout the season, getting them minutes that will ultimately prove to be big come postseason time in the Summit League tournament and the NCAA tournament, as AJ does. I The women, this is a big year for them. Very excited for what the women can do. Normally I'm all about the men, and I still am, but I think the, the women are going to be in for a special, special season. They play 21, 21st uh, rate Creighton tonight, so that will tell us a lot. Yep. Here in the opening uh, the season up. I don't think they lose more than three games. If they beat Creighton tonight, I don't think they lose more than two. Okay. I don't think they lose a Summit League game. I think they'll lose to South Carolina. Uh, may lose to UCLA or maybe a game or two in that battle for Atlantis. Uh-huh. But, other, but other than that, the men did not lose to a summer league team last year. The women should not this year. Agreed. They may lose USD once. But that would be normal. That would be fine. This is maybe the best team they've ever had. Yeah. So, yes, they need to make the Sweet 16. I feel like we've said that multiple times here with the with the women. Like, oh, this is the best team, you know, since, what, 2007 with Jen Warkentine and and, and the, yeah. it, it, then I think we had a team last or a couple years ago that made it to the Sweet 16 that had Macy Miller and and stuff that ultimately lost to um to to Oregon out there in Portland because it was a, a de facto home game for the Ducks. But yeah, this is a this is the team you got to win it, and I. I, 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 to, to get a sixth year out of Maya Sullen, that is big. Yes. Without her, they're still the favorite, but you're like, yeah, you know, they're not, eh, they're not going to make the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. But you have her, and you've got Peyton Burkhart, who's now a senior, and you've got like, their next great player, who's Haley Timmer from Rapid City. I think she's the next someone like player of the year type player. Mm-hmm. Got her. You got what? Drew Glighton or Gilton? Drew Gilton, whatever the hell her name is. Uh, from Utah, right? From uh, from Utah. So she'll be here four years. I mean, she'll be a point guard. That'll be a good addition. So, yeah, they're really good. It's all about the seeding. If they can be maybe a six seed in the tournament, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. But, yes, they, they need to uh, get to the, the Sweet 16 this year. For sure, for sure. And, and the men, yeah. the men had probably the best season they've ever had last year. Mm-hmm. 30 wins. They were, what, a 12 seed. Yep. Everybody was picking them to be Providence. And they didn't play very well, but it was close at the end. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when that win's going to come in the tournament. But I think Zeke Mayo, probably next with Max Aismas, he'll be probably the player of the year. Mm-hmm. But... I think Zeke Mayo is a player of the year type of guy, and he's a sophomore. And I think Matt Moores is going to be great. They somewhat like I feel Matt Moores is going to be. I think he's going to be an all-time, like a top five ever guy. You know, Walters and Dom, and whoever else you want to put in that category. Mm-hmm. I think Matt Moores is going to be in that category. Awesome. That'd be great. So 
And so I, I'm picking them to win it. I'll pick them to win it every year for until who knows when. I think they'll beat Oral Roberts. I think they'll they may get off to a rough start because they got a tough schedule. But once they get once they get past the month of November, they should roll. So if they start one and three, two and three, one and four, I'm fine. I don't think they lose more than six games. Again, they shouldn't lose to anybody in the summer league besides Will Roberts. Mm-hmm. It'd be a good championship game. And yeah, uh, the women should roll. The men should be close behind. Agreed. Should be a very fun year. Uh, we'll talk all about college basketball throughout the season because we both love it so much. Anything else we need to get to before we say so long? At the election tomorrow, and I shared some guy's post on Facebook about Christy Nome, and he said that the character of the politician matters to him. Mm-hmm. Jamie Smith is a pretty good guy, good character, and he can't say the same about Christy Nome. Because even people in her own party don't support her. Um, nasty and mean, a vindictive person who knows that the things she says are lies. And I go back to this and, and Trump. It's, it's, it's sad that people saw what Trump did. And that's another guy who, he won, he beat Hillary Clinton technically in the election, but she got more votes. So going back to the thing we started with about winning and losing, they saw that ultimately Trump won, and they decided to copy him. Say, oh, it worked for Trump. He won. This must work for me. Mm-hmm. And other people have done that. And some people have won. Some people have lost. But nobody, nobody acts like Trump on purpose. Like, nobody, nobody is that bad of a person, I don't believe. Nobody believes that stuff and is that bad of a person. You have to intentionally be that bad. You have to put your own morals aside for, I want to be governor, I want to be senator, I want the money and everything that comes with that. So I'm going to act like Trump, I'm going to bully people, I'm going to lie, I'm going to act like a terrible person so I can win. Because ultimately, that, well, that's what matters. Winning. Winning is what matters, whether it's in sports or politics. That's ultimately what it is. So I think I'll, I'm, I'll come up with a Facebook post of whatever the hell I'm trying to say here. And that's what it comes down to. Like, people shouldn't act like Trump. But I think Noam's going to win. I think she'll probably win by about four points. So it's election day. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But it's just... It's sad that people react to that and support that. Because when Trump ran for president, people should have saw that and said, yeah, he should have been that guy that got like 1% or 2% of the vote instead of 40, 45%. So uh, do good, be a nice person. It's not hard, it's not difficult. Morals, things like that. Um, But it's the opposite. So I don't know why it's that way, but it is. We don't have anything else to add to that. Um, very spot on. Well, you have a great uh, in, in great rest of your week. Good luck with any calls. Uh, right? You have some calls this week? or uh, We're done with football, thankfully. I had to go to winter. 
it was fine. I was half a county away. I felt like I'm in the press box. This wasn't great, but it's what they got. And uh, so I'm done with football, and I got my last volleyball match on Thursday in Harrisburg, so then I'll be done for a month for basketball. So good, and then we wrap up the fall sports. So. Very good. Well, have a great rest of your week. Uh, survive the storm, the cold, and we will talk to you next week, my friend. You have an outside shot at fantasy football, an outside shot. Yep. Not a great shot. I'd be very disappointed if I lose this match. Giving you all those wow. points with Cordero Patterson. Um, oh, I like uh, Cordero Patterson. He, uh, If I'm naming MVPs this week, he would be it. Yep. A Weaver Wire pickup on a Sunday morning. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was awful. I should probably just start Geno Smith. Uh, we're getting rid of Aaron Rodgers uh, on Tuesday. Post-haste. <laughs> post-haste. Pre-haste, post-haste, current-haste. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. There's a reason why paste. I believe Kelsey dropped him. If you want to give me uh, two at Tegavailoa, that'd be great. Nope, not going to happen. He is just rotting away on your bench like a fucking pumpkin. Um, you've got Jalen Hurts. He's great. Um I should, you know, trades usually don't happen in this league, and I don't have much to trade. I've got Jonathan Taylor to trade because he sucks and he's hurt. Um, I need a quarterback. Yeah. Geno Smith is doing okay. I will not give you Tua. Um, sorry. Uh, I, 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 I Now, pun intended, but is there? how likely is it that I can pull off this win Monday night? Need the Ravens defense to come How likely? No, no, no. Yeah, some guy I've never heard of. Isaiah Likely. Tied in for Baltimore. Big week last week. Caught a touchdown. No Mark Andrews Monday night. Yeah. I like I like the chances uh, that he Yeah, can... I, I would I say I, I would say I've got a... It's all about the uh, 65% chance of winning. Oh, yeah. Just, oh, again, um, you beat me all the time in this. I think the head-to-head record, like, in total is like 10 to 10 and 2. Like you not that they're pretty close, but the Raven. I mean, I need I need New Orleans to do something offensively here. So hopefully Isaiah Likely does next to nothing. I need one of these things to have. You know, like if I I think Isaiah Likely may may get five points, and if that happens, I feel good. If he gets ten, then I it's it's up to Likely. If Likely gets eight to ten, I think I lose. I think if he get, if he gets fifteen to twenty, I like my chances. Oh yeah, you like yeah, he wins it by himself the most. So if he does that, if yeah, it, it's it's up to him. If he catches a touchdown, you win. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Need that win. Need to need to keep pace with Kelsey in the uh, in, the, in the division. Well, you have a great rest of your week, and enjoy the election, everything like that. And we'll talk to you next week, my friend. All right, we'll see you next week. Travis Green is joining me here, Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time. As always, a lot of stuff that we covered there uh, from. NFL to college football to the World Series. College basketball season preview. We made our picks um, talking about uh, Kyrie Irving and that disturbing situation there and the embarrassing Brooklyn Nets. We're going to talk more college football, though. Bullbound or not, it was great last week. Tons of people liked it. We're going to play it again this week. Charlie Hildebrand coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast, uh, which is available on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at NDStackin, Facebook Nathan Stackin. Uh, Travis on Twitter at Travis Crins. The link to the podcast post the middle to later part of each week on podcast. It's on podcast.com. It's on iTunes. So definitely uh, download that. Charlie Hildebrand comes back for Bullbound or not? Week two of the 2022 season. That's coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast. Available on podcast.com and on iTunes.
We continue here on this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, and we are going to keep talking some college football. And who better to do that with than my good friend from the Northwest Iowa Review, our resident college football expert, Charlie Hildebrand. Charlie, how you doing? I'm good, but stacking. I think we have some uh, <coughs> family business to talk about here with the way LSU played. Ah, uh, yes. Um... Yeah, that was... I'm going to preface this by saying I didn't think that LSU was going to win. I gave them a lot more credit than you did, though. Yes, you did. And it turned out that they won. And I'm still kind of surprised by that. Yes, yes, you did. And yes, I didn't give them the credit. I, 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 I'll, I'll, be, I'll admit, I was surprised. Like, I, you know it's a rivalry game and Alabama, you know, like LSU will be ready for Alabama. Well, okay. It hasn't always been that way in previous years. And I'm going to admit, Charlie, if we're going to look back at LSU, Travis and I talked about this a little bit earlier in the podcast. He's saying that if LSU were to run the table and beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, that they'll make it to the college football playoff. And I'm not quite there yet uh, because there are many other factors that go in like what happens with TCU what's Oregon looking like how like you know Michigan all of that um but I will admit that I think if we're looking back at the end of this season and LSU does somehow beat Georgia to win the SEC we're going to look back at that 17 to 3 deficit against Ole Miss in the second quarter there and then LSU outscoring Lane Kiffin's running Rebels 42-3 to the remainder of the game and say that was the turning point for LSU this season. Like, I didn't think that... Oh, Jaylen, yeah, definitely. I didn't think Jalen Daniels was, was that great. I mean, I knew he was good at Arizona State, but he hadn't shown enough to me yet this season that, that I thought, oh, he's going to be able to outduel Bryce Young. But the Alabama defense had no answer for him in the running game. And then, I mean, I don't know if this makes you feel old, but Zach Taylor's freshman son catching the game-winning two-point conversion, he also had a touchdown. It's like, oh, my God. Um, LSU. You mean Zach Thomas or Jason Taylor? Jason Taylor. Did I say Zach Taylor? The funny thing is you are the second person to me that's done that this week. Oh, my gosh. I meant Jason Taylor. Because the first time I was like, I don't think Bengals could – coach and former Nebraska yes. quarterback Zach Taylor's that much older than me that they have a kid in college yeah. now. Oh yeah, no, no, that that that's my But mistake. Jason Taylor, it's like, yeah. oh yeah, I definitely buy that 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 dude produced a child that's athletic enough to be tight end at LSU. Yeah. I mean I'm kind of looking at this here and with what Brian Kelly has been able to accomplish at LSU already. I, I'm kind of leaning towards them maybe making a uh, run at the college football playoff next year. I'm not there this year with the two losses, but um, it, it, it makes me it makes me far more think that LSU is far more further along than I thought they would at this point. I will admit I am completely stunned that they won. I agree with what you said. This is just me playing devil's advocate here, but counterpoint. Do you remember another coach who started hot and beat Alabama and didn't lose any games the rest of the year? And they thought, oh, my God, these guys are going to be great. And then it just kind of went downhill from there. Uh, no. Was it Jimbo Fisher? 
Uh, no, I, I, I don't think Jimbo's had a, a two loss season at Texas A&M. They've always lost, I think, at least three, other than maybe the COVID short year, which is different. But mm-hmm. uh, no, I'm speaking of uh, Kevin Sumlin his first year at Texas A&M. Oh, where they lost two times early in the year, then they upset Alabama. I think they, if I remember right, they smoked Oklahoma, you know, a good Oklahoma team in a bowl game. They was just, oh my God, Texas A&M, Kevin Sumlin. Here they are. They're here to stay. And then they just never quite got back there again. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen with LSU, but I do think it's worth noting that as difficult as the SEC West is, and the I mean, even the East with Tennessee and Georgia the way they are now, that I don't think it would be studied if it's like, oh, hey, I mean, they're still good, but they just can't quite get back to those heights again either. Do we think we've reached the point now with Alabama where the not that I'm not saying the dynasty is rubbed off, but there is by they are by no means like completely unbeatable. Obviously, they've lost two games this year, but you don't go into a game now against Alabama just I, I don't know expecting to get throttled. I feel like Georgia's almost taken that over at least temporarily. Um, I. I don't know. It just Alabama has played so many close games this year. Now I picked them to win the national championship because I didn't expect Georgia to be able to restock the cupboard on defense so quickly. And you know, I loved Bryce Young, and you have what, yeah, you know, Anderson there on, on the defensive side of the football. But Alabama off this year, and I wonder if you know their the invincibility is now gone. I'm going to preface this again, second time using preface or things, that I remember in, uh, what was it, 2014, 15? I don't know. At some point, Alabama lost, and I remember writing way back when on the the sports block, uh, blog spot Mm -hmm. post, a long thing about the Alabama dynasty being dead, and then it turned out I was way wrong. So I want to be careful about saying that again. Yes. I do think it's worth noting that while – I think they could still be really good going forward. I, I think the odds of them making the playoff this year are pretty low. I don't think I'd say impossible yet, but pretty darn unlikely. Well, no, no two-loss team has ever made it to the college football playoff, correct? Correct, as of now. Now, there has been a two-loss team that's won the national title. LSU did in 2007 in the BCS. Yep. So. Uh, but I was going to say that with Alabama, so often they just kind of like – you know, they play all these non-conference games at neutral sites and things like that. And this is, like, the first year where they've had to play, like, multiple really great, like, top-ten teams on the road. Where usually it's like, hey, they're playing this really good team on the road, whether that's, you know, LSU or Texas A&M or whoever. And then at the end of the year, it's like, well, they went 9-4. They were good. They weren't great. But it looks like Tennessee and and uh, LSU, like, truly are legit top five possible teams. And it's just really tough playing teams like that on the road. In addition to that, also, this being apparently Alabama's, like, worst penalized team ever, mm-hmm. which just gets exacerbated even further on the road. And I know there were all sorts of times against both Tennessee and LSU where, you know, they have false starts and miscommunications and stuff. So I don't want to write them off saying they're never going to be good again or anything like that, or the dynasty's dead because I've been bitten by that multiple times before. Mm-hmm. 
But I, I do think part of it is just that the other teams in their conference, which has not happened that often, have like truly lived up to expectations and just been like, oh, hey, like we can play too. And it, it just it helps when you're at home and you don't have it the, the home crowd behind you as opposed to being like, oh, no, we're down by 14 points and their crowd's into it. We're just kind of dead now. Yep. I mean, but the, still, the gutsy decision by Brian Kelly to go for two there at the end, incredible. It worked. Um, I think it was Apparently the right it's move. the same play he ran when he was at Notre Dame. They played top-ranked Florida State at Florida State. And it works if they got called for uh, uh, offensive pass interference. Because it's basically a pick route or a rub route or whatever you want to call it. But. Mm-hmm. But he said that they didn't think they'd call it, and they obviously didn't call it, and it worked. I was surprised that Alabama couldn't make any adjustments to Daniel's running. And I, I'm surprised they didn't have a spy on him at all times. Uh, I guess I, I want to pull up the stats and look at this, because I do think he played well. But it's not like they scored that many points in regulation either. Right. I think, so they I feel like 24. checking on this just to make sure. Because yeah. I know what you mean. It feels like he had a big game. And I think all things considered, it was a big game. But I'm just making sure it wasn't like, a, oh, he actually yeah. had 47 rushing yards. Let, which let, is like, yeah, that's not terrible. But. Let me add, Let me add. like, more so in the second half. It just seemed like... Alabama had no answer. Like, I would think you would want a spy on him at all times. Uh, he did have 95 rushing yards. It was on 18 carries, but still, I mean, that is a good game. And, I, I mean, I don't know. I We talk about spies. I don't know if they do spies that often just because – there's enough. I mean, LSU is a good example of this. They have enough talent across the field that you don't want to waste one guy necessarily, like only covering him, because then you're worried that they're going to have other stuff go on elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I know some X's and O's stuff. I don't know enough to know how good it is to, like, oh hey, if you if you spy this way, you know, run a cover one defense behind that. Like, what are? I mean, I can. I know what some of those words mean, but don't know enough X's and O's wise to know what would work and be the best way to slow down Jake Daniels when he gets hot. Right. Um, last, I will say, yeah. to your point, if you would have told me he would have had 18 carries for 95 yards of the touchdown and routinely on second and long or third long or third medium take off and get a first down in big moments, I would have said, yeah, maybe like twice, but not nearly as many times as he ended up doing it. So Alabama, or so LSU with the big win there all but eliminates Alabama from playoff contention. I still don't see how even if LSU does beat Georgia, barring like something, some more crazy stuff happening, I don't see LSU getting into the college football playoff uh, but beating Georgia is something, and beating Georgia is something that Tennessee could not do. This was hyped as the game of the year. We were very excited for it. It was 27-13, to 13 and it wasn't all that close. Tennessee did not do very good offensively. And last week, I think I came in, like we were talking, and I said, I think this game means more to Georgia because I think Tennessee is in regardless. But now, coupled with Alabama's loss, now we look at it like, okay, maybe it was like, is that still a... A 
good enough win to get Tennessee in, even if they don't play in their conference championship game. And the way Georgia played them or like beat them was so incredible. Now I'm just I'm wondering like if if it comes down to say three one loss teams, let's say it's Michigan who loses a close one to Ohio State, let's say it's Tennessee, and for the sake of discussion, let's go with a Pac-12 winner with one loss. Is Tennessee on the outside looking in now, just with how things played out this weekend in the SEC? I hate to say this because this doesn't always make good radio slash podcasting. It would just depend who it is and who they lost to and stuff like that. I get it. I don't think that. I, I mean, I think Michigan would probably get in over Tennessee. Let's say Michigan. Based on what you said, with a close loss to Ohio State. Yes. Yep. For the Pac-12, it, it just it depends. And I mean, I, it, it, you know, I'm trying to think who in the Pac-12. I mean, if it's Oregon, it's tough to say because you'd be like, well, I mean, Oregon played great, but the rest of the season, but they lost worse than Tennessee did. If it's USC, I forget it was Utah that USC lost to. Yes. I think that'd be an easier selling point for USC to just be like, well, I mean, they lost one game because the team made a two point conversion at the end. It was obviously close that they could have won, but that's an easier sell than, you know, Tennessee lost by 14, but it felt like they lost by 40. And Oregon really did lose by 40 to Georgia. Mm hmm. Or at the same token, another possible one-loss team that may work its way back into playoff discussion, and we'll probably talk about soon. Like Clemson, right now, I mean, my first thought was like, "Oh, Clemson's done after getting smoked by a mediocre Notre Dame." But you look at the rest of Clemson's schedule, and it's like, "Yeah, I mean, I don't know." I, Clemson can win the rest of the way, play a one-loss North Carolina team in the ACC title game. You know, beat them by three touchdowns. And even though I don't think we'd be confident that Clemson would do a lot in the playoff, they would still have a decent resume. I think they they would have to have so much go right in front of them, like so many other teams lose, for Clemson to even get a shot at this. I mean, remember, they were very close to having lost to Syracuse at home just a couple of weeks ago. Um this and they they almost kind of blew it against Florida State. This is far from a flawless Clemson team. I think Clemson's done. I really do. At the beginning of the year, I said they'd be eleven and one or twelve and one. You know, win the ACC with that one loss being to Notre Dame. I should have just stuck with my with my gut on that one because so far they're undefeated until they lose at Notre Dame. I just don't see their resume. Coming close to that of, say, a TCU, uh, uh, a Michigan, an Ohio State, I, I don't see you're, you're saying all these teams, but it depends what their record is. I, I mean, if those other teams are undefeated, yeah, I one totally loss. agree. One loss. But I, I don't know if TCU with one loss is going to get in over a one-loss Clemson team. Do you don't think the Big I mean, 12 maybe, this year like, is... We'll see. Do you It'll don't depend, think... but, but you... the other thing, too, is that Clemson's made the playoff enough times... Fair or not fair, that I think they're going to get more benefit of the doubt, and that than could DCU would or U or USC or UCLA would or any of those teams. Whether that, that's fair or not, that could be the same. You could go that by that with like that same token of for Alabama, like they could be the first two loss team to get into the college football playoff because of. That's the other thing with Alabama is that Alabama's got more of the benefit of the doubt in the playoff era than any other team has, like mm-hmm. easily. 
And if they can find a way to sneak in, or, or let me rephrase that, if there's any team that finds a way to sneak in that maybe shouldn't, I think it's definitely going to be Alabama first. Yeah. Uh, I, I I agree. That, I mean, I, I think that not, not if they don't win the conference. They would need to get some breaks, need LSU to lose twice, I think, and then play in the SEC title game and find a way to beat Georgia, you know, yada, 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 you mm-hmm. know, some things like that. But if they did that, I'm not saying they would get in, but I think that it would not be, or it would be a lot closer than people would want to admit it would be. The fun thing about this is, is that we can have all of these hypotheticals and stuff because there are so many teams still alive. I guess like it's under ten, but there are so many. Oh well, what if you know USC beats UCLA here in the Pac-12 championship or in the in. Uh, next week and then Oregon beats USA. Like there, there's just so much that can happen. And that's the beauty of, of college football and where we're at right now. And it just, it feels like now with Alabama's loss that the door has opened up so much more for these discussions to take place. Don't you think? I think to a degree, I agree with that. Do you want me to give you one right now? Yes. Kansas State only has one loss and plays most of the top teams they have to play the rest of the season still. Well, they and the only two... team they lost to is TCU. Oh, wait, no, sorry, they lost to Texas on Saturday. Texas, Never mind, scratch that one. Texas and two. Sorry, I forgot that they lost to Texas. I got I got too involved in the Alabama-LSU game. I forgot <laughs> about that one. Yeah, but that's a shame. Kansas State, uh, we were hoping for an all-purple Big 12 championship game. It could still happen, but that that's that was not a good good loss for them. No, it was not. I wish I would have remembered that they did. For some reason, I thought they didn't the week off this past Saturday. I don't know why. Maybe I they just, did, too. Is like, that I, why I, I mean, it's not like I didn't watch any of that game. I watched a chunk of it. And then once I it was like, oh, Alabama, LSU's on, then I just turned there and forgot about everything else. I think uh, Kansas State thought they were off, too. Is that why they were down 31 to 10 at half at home? <laughs> you, know, you might be on to something there. Um, so... I, those were the the two big games of the week, certainly that in the SEC, and you know Texas beating Kansas State was significant as well. Kansas getting bowl eligible. Um, What's going on with Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy, right now? I, I, like a I, month I ago, it was like, oh my god, the Cowboys. This might be the best Oklahoma State game in like a decade, and now they've just fallen off a cliff. Well, and I don't think Spencer Sanders played at all, so. I, oh, I'd be part of it, man. I like go figure. I mean, I th- I think they play Iowa State this weekend, and Iowa State is favored right now, which is just crazy. Um, and as we look ahead to this week's slate, it's not great, but that's when you know chaos can ultimately happen. And not saying we aren't going to get some good games and fantastic finishes and whatnot, some upsets along the way. You have College Game Day in Austin for TCU and Texas. Alabama's at Ole Miss, which last week had Alabama beat LSU would have carried a little more significance, but now LSU is in the driver's seat. So this is all like a more so a de facto elimination game, I guess, from SEC West contention. You have this awesome uh, matchup in the AAC between ranked UCF and ranked Tulane. I mean, that's arguably deciding who is going to represent in the in the, the group of six, you know, the, the New Year's Six Bowl game. 
Other than that, like North Carolina Wake Forest, Wake Forest does nothing for me now after the last couple of weeks. Where where else are the good games? I guess. What are you most looking forward to this week? What you not looking forward to that Michigan give a blowout Nebraska game? I can't say that I am. Your Cornhuskers unfortunately lost to the Gophers twenty to thirteen. And uh, they will be making an appearance this week in bull bound or not. Um, I can already spoil it for you for Nebraska. It's it's now they're not going to make a bowl game this year. That, well, they still have hope though. They still have hope. Unlike my Virginia Tech Hokies, who lose bullet an eleven point lead to Georgia Tech in Blacksburg. What the? Oh, it's a bad year. Uh, I hope uh, Brent Fry can uh, can get those recruits in because this has been a, a very tough year to be a Hokies fan. You know, early in the year we were saying that Colorado and Colorado State need to play at the end of the year. I think we actually need Nebraska and Virginia Tech to play at the end of the year now. Well, Virginia and Virginia Tech are playing for the Commonwealth Cup, and right now Virginia's 3-6 and six and Virginia Tech is 2-7. and seven. Um, Maybe we should play that game... Um, I don't know, somewhere where no one can see it. Or, a Salvation Army? Yes, yeah, or like, uh, I don't know, an abandoned um, an abandoned Target building somewhere. Some, we just got to get it, get out of here. Target's still open. It's got to be something that's closed now, that's like an abandoned true. Shopco. Uh, yes, a good, yes, yep, an abandoned Shopco building. Um, yeah. I think that's, I think that's where it needs to go. But uh, anything else on this Week 11 slate that really catches your attention? I mean, the one that still catches the most attention to me is Ole Miss and Alabama. I mean, like, like you said, it's it's not as interesting just because Alabama's coming off a loss. I do think it's still interesting, though. I mean, if I remember right, Ole Miss only has one loss. So yeah. if LSU loses to anyone the rest of the season, that puts Ole Miss back in. Yes, the driver's seat, if, if they beat Alabama on Saturday, which is obviously not a given, if you, like me, frequently root against Alabama because they've been so successful for the last 15 years, the upside is that Alabama just played like a physical, emotional game that went to overtime. Mm-hmm. And now they got to turn around and play an old Miss team that probably really wants to take it to them. And I'm not saying Alabama can't turn around and win but I think after a game like that, it's tough to turn around and be like, yes, we're going to play our A-plus game the next week. It's, they, they could do it. We've seen them do it before mm-hmm. in Tuscaloosa, but it's you know, it's that old best, too. So, I mean, I don't think it's an easy one. No. Not at all. That So, that yeah, I think that is the, the one of the marquee games. But, again, it's more of a, like a de facto elimination game from SEC West contention since both of these teams have lost – to LSU. True. Uh, are there aren't any good Pac-12 games. I don't know. It just seems like there's enough ranked Pac-12 teams that one of them should be playing another one. Um, well, let's see. Arizona State, Washington State. Nope. But Washington State can get both eligible with the win. Uh, Washington at Oregon. Okay. That's fairly good, I suppose. Sort of a rivalry game. I don't think yeah. Washington's ranked, but they only have two or three losses, right? right. Yep, well, they're 7-2, and two, uh, no loss, but yeah, that is a rivalry game for sure. Uh, Cal, Oregon State, nope. Stanford, Utah, no. Arizona, UCLA, nope. Um, I mean, it's really, I guess, Oregon and Washington. Uh, I guess it is Washington and Oregon is easily the best back 12 game. Yes. Uh, 
Um, anything else we need to get to before Bullbound or not? Um, I mean, I don't know. Other than congratulations to your Vikings. Just keep finding ways to win. Yeah, the, the refs can try and, and take us down. Um, the And they did, literally, on one play. Uh, I mean, they made up for you. I mean, you got the leaping call at the end, too, which called things out. Well, I mean, that was a legit call, though. I mean, it was, but still. I mean, it, and you know what? It's just, it, it warms and Also, my... who would have thought we'd get two leapings in one weekend with both SDSU and UNI? Right. And then Minnesota also. I mean, that's, like, across not just football, across all sports, that's two of your five favorite teams stacking. It, it, it is. benefiting on leaping calls the same weekend. <laughs> I'm so happy that the Jacks won. Beat UNI. This was a very tough game. Um, what was one I was nervous about? Just giving. Yeah, we knew it's it's no matter how good or bad you and I is, it's always hard to win in the union. Yep, and I told Krins this earlier. This is one of the most difficult road slates that you could possibly go on uh, in the valley at UND, at NDSU, and at UNI, and even Missouri State this year. At the time when the Jacks played them, they had just come off of a tough game against Arkansas. You're like, oh, this could be a little bit tricky because they played them tough for three quarters before losing. And the Jacks have come through with flying colors. So just beat Illinois State this week in the frigid air in Brookings. And just let let the road to Frisco go through Brookings literally this year. I, I, I think they will win. win. the game, take a week off, go to a spot. Two Relax weeks off. and get healthy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Two weeks off. Because they have the bye week. I love that the bye is so late. Um, it's just it's just good, though. The share of the Valley, like, they can do no worse than a share of the Valley uh, title. And I think they beat Illinois State this weekend. Me too. So that's great. And speaking of the Jacks, so last week we did Bullbound or Not, and we you picked the letters uh, J-A-C-K-S. Uh, we already did A's last week, uh, so we're subbing it out uh, for the letter M plus U and I. So we have a number of letters to get to. Are you ready for this week's edition of Bullbound or not? I am. Very good. I uh, I mean... Not as much as I read in Iowa, is, but... Uh, Lexi... I don't know why I said I read. It's actually Ireton. I don't know why I read game out, but... Um, that's what we're going with. Lexi Inton in Kentucky uh, says, I'm so happy for the return of Bullbound or not. It's one of my favorite segments throughout the college football season. So, Lexi, thank you very much for that. Uh, Dayton in Ohio says, I love Bullbound or not. Um, again, you guys do such great work. Keep it up. Uh, Sydney and one, of those, one of those rich people kid names, Billy, from Montana. Yes, yes. Uh, and I know Sydney is, has reached out a number of times from Australia, so we appreciate Sydney for, um, for, for, constant, for being a loyal listener. Uh, really, everyone around the globe. It's just been Ed Munton in, Can- in Alberta uh, says he follows college football and uh, that... Uh, Bullbound or not's one of his favorite segments. So yeah, just the the warm reception that we get for this segment, and if anyone tries to steal it from us, whether that be 
College Game Day or Fox's The Big Show. We'll come at him. Oh, we'll cut him. We'll yeah, cut yeah. Uh, we're 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 going to demand royalties and we're going to demand that we're a part of this uh, here moving forward. But bullbound or not, a triumphant success. It's a success every year. It's a lot of fun. So, with that being said, are you ready uh, to go to the letter J? Which unfortunately, there's only one team at the FBS level that starts with J. Do you know who that would be? Let's see. Running through things in my head quick. It is... I'm pretty sure it's not a Power 5 school. That would be correct. So I feel like it's in the AEC or the Sun Belt. That too is correct. I keep wanting to say the Jaguars, but it's not. South Alabama, they start with an S. Yes. Um... I don't know. You'll have to tell me. I don't want to make it bad radio thinking it's, for a minute and a half to figure it out. It's James Madison. Oh, right. They have, I, they have five We wins. talked about him earlier. I mean, not this week, yeah. but a few weeks ago. They have five wins. I feel wins. bad for getting an MCS powerhouse. They have five wins, but unfortunately, they aren't bowl eligible this year because of the transition. So, James Madison, we unfortunately cannot use you. So, that... Sucks, uh, but James Madison will be back. So let's run through the C's. Cincinnati, and we start in the AAC. Cincinnati seven and two. They're in. They're safely bowl bound in the AAC. Clemson. They're bowl bound. Uh, let's see in the Big Twelve. Nope, there's no one there in the Big Ten. No C teams there. How about Conference USA? Charlotte 49ers, nope, you aren't getting in at all. So, uh, hmm, we're we're having some trouble with the C's here. But oh, I don't think Colorado or Colorado State are getting in either. No, they are not. But in the MAC, in the MAC, we have the Central Michigan Chippewas at three and six. They need to win out. They host five and four Buffalo this week. They are they host three and six Western Michigan. Next week, and then they're at five and four Eastern Michigan. So Charlie, are the Chippewas of Central Michigan bull bound or not? They win the next two at home, and then unfortunately they lose the rivalry game at the year. So they're five and seven, not going. That Dan Lefevre shedding tears somewhere. Oh, poor Dan Lefevre. Poor Dan Lefevre. And Antonio Brown, but Antonio Brown's probably with Giselle Bunchen by now. So, um, do you think at Central Michigan games when he was there, they ever ran the uh, Christopher Walken SNL thing? But it said, "I got a fever." It said, "I've got a fever." Oh, that would be great. I hope they do. I hope they, they sure do. Then that could be like NIL type stuff, and that was before. And that would that would have been great, though. Um, yeah, you're gonna literally just have himself. I mean, I'm assuming they have agriculture stuff somewhere in Michigan. Oh yeah, for sure. Like yes, I did damn little fever here to sell you your cowbells. Right, exactly. Uh, in the Mountain West, Colorado State two and seven. They can't make it to a bowl game. How about in the Pac-12? Colorado, nope, they have no chance. But the Cal Golden Bears do. 
They are three and six, just like Central Michigan. So Cal has to win out here. They're at number twenty-three, Oregon State, six and three. Oregon State, the Beavers already bowl eligible. They host Clemson the following week, and then they host number twelve UCLA on the twenty-fifth. They host Clemson. I'm sorry, Stanford and UCLA. Did I say that, or did, what did I say? At some point, you said Clemson. I'm so I was sorry to say that's weird that Clemson. They host Cal number. Cal. They host number twelve UCLA. Um. So, Charlie, is Cal bullbound or not? Unfortunately for Cal, they're not going. That's too many tough teams in front of them. They're not. They're not even going to get that close either. They maybe get one. They're probably going for it. I would agree with that. The SEC, no teams that start with a C. In the Sun Belt, Coastal Carolina safely in. They're bowl eligible. They're eight and one, and that does it for the C's. So. We had two teams in the C's. Now let's go to the K's. Again, we go through the American Athletic Conference. There's no K's there. We go to the ACC. No K's there. The Big 12. Both Kansas and Kansas State are bowl eligible. Let's just take a moment to celebrate the fact that the Kansas Jayhawks are back in a bowl game. They took down a goalpost this last weekend and did not have to set up a GoFundMe to raise money for the new goalposts. True. Shout out to the Eddies. That's my mom's fake name. Her side of the family, most of them are from Kansas. So, most of them are K-State fans, not Kansas fans. That's fair. But Kansas State, obviously, having a good year. They're probably, well, I mean, not super excited about how they lost to Texas, but we'll probably feel good about the year overall right now. It's just so, it's awesome that Kansas is 6-3. and It really is. Um. And I do have one cousin, one cousin that went to Kansas. I'm sure he's very excited about it. Uh, oh, I, I bet he is. Football right now. What are well, they... maybe a little less so now that basketball's starting. But, well, I was, I but overall, just, still happy. I was just going to ask, what do you think Kansas fans are more excited about? The national championship last year over UNC or the fact that they're bowl uh, eligible for the first time since however long ago? Ten years? Ago? I think being bowl eligible for Kansas football is like a six and a half or a seven out of ten. But they're like, oh, this is good. We like this. We're happy. But the national title in basketball is like 15 out of 10. And I think you're right. They are always going to take that first. I would agree with that. I think you are right there. Big 10, there are no teams that start with K. Same with Conference USA. Uh, FBS, Independence, no. How about the MAC? Kent State. Hey, welcome, Kent State. The Golden Flashes. Three and six on the year. So again, another team that has to win out. Kent State is at five and four Bowling Green this week. They host five and four Eastern Michigan the following week, and then they're at five and four Buffalo. So three five and four teams as of right now to end the year that they'd have to beat to get to bowl eligibility. Charlie, is Kent State bowl bound or not? They are definitely not gonna do it. They're losing all three of them. I think you're right on the money there. They maybe win one that I can I can see only one. I can be talked into one. I, they're not doing it three in a row. No. They're not Western Christian Volleyball down 14 to 11 in the state title game and then rallying off five in a row. Yeah. Nope. Not No happening. big deal, but that happened in our neck of the woods. Well, very well, good. Well, a, a team from our neck of the woods. It happened in suburb of uh, Iowa City where I'm up. University is, but well, you said suburb. I almost thought you said summer, and I was going to say the summer of '69. 
Uh, Mount- I mean, they were probably pretty excited that they won, like it was the summer of 69. <laughs> uh, Mountain West, no teams that start with a K. Pac-12, no teams that start with a K. The SEC, the Kentucky Wildcats are 6-3, and three, so they are bowl-bound, they are bowl-eligible, and no teams that start with a K in the Sun Belt. That but leaves- quick side note, shout-out to Mark Stoops in Kentucky and the job that he's done there. Yes, and- yeah, and they continue to be good. I mean, they have a pro quarterback. Uh, they're going to have Will Levis drafted early in the draft this upcoming April. I mean, that tells you where Kentucky's at. I mean, no no quarterback's been that good at Kentucky since Tim Couch. Maybe? Who is the who is the really Depends big Depends what guy? you think about Jared Lorenzo. I was just going to say, and, yeah, uh, Jared Lorenzo. I forget the guy's name. name. It was like... 06, 07, or 07, 08, uh, I can't, I worked at, it was when I worked at the gas station in Brookings, and a guy that worked there also was a big Kentucky sports fan, and, Dust V? No, this, this guy was much too talkative, I mean, <laughs> he wasn't like, he wasn't like talk your ear off guy, but compared to Dust V, he was talking your ear off guy. All right, let's go to S then. Uh, we go to the AAC again. We're not doing five win teams, so SMU uh, not this week. Five, you know, we'll we'll get to maybe four or five win teams next week uh, for sure. But SMU five wins, you got multiple chances, so we're gonna hold off on you. South Florida, you fire uh, South Florida, you fire head coach Jeff Scott. One and eight, abysmal. Florida or South Florida, not talking about you. The Syracuse Orange in the ACC, they're 6-3. They're bowl eligible. They're bowl bound. In the Big 12, no S's there. In the Big 10, there's no S's there. What what the hell is going on here? How about in, well, in Conference USA? Nothing there either. We'll get to the U. When we get to U's, they're, they're right there. Uh, nothing in. Boy, we're really running low here. I thought we'd get some with S's. Um, San Jose State in the Mountain West, they're six and two. They're bowl bound. San Diego State five and four, so nothing there. Uh, the Stanford- San Diego State apparently going to join the Pac-12. Also, did you see that? Yes, yes. That's that's a good move for them. I, if I have to venture a guess, oh, if you're San Diego State, it's an A plus. Yeah, well, you're getting Southern. You're you're keeping the Southern Cal market though to a degree. By bringing San Diego State in, if you're losing USC and UCLA, perhaps we'll I, see. I think they will also land Boise State too. That's my that's my guess. Competitiveness wise, that'd be a great get for them. Media market wise, not so much, but no. Uh, but speaking they're, of the Pac, more tap into new recruiting areas, not so much. Right, but speaking of the Pac-12, the Stanford Cardinal. Three and six. So again, they have to win their remaining three games. They are at Utah this week. They are at Cal November 19th, and they host BYU November 26th. Charlie, is Stanford bowl bound or not? Well, we're going to do this reverse. They're going to be, they're obviously, they'd have to win all three. I think they're going to beat Cal. BYU's been up and down. I think they can beat BYU. And you know what? Ghosts of David Shaw, even though he's still alive, they're also going to beat Utah. Stanford, getting hot at the end of the year, 6-6, six six, wow. going to a bowl game. Wow. Shocking. 
I don't think it's going to happen. I think they lose. I think that the dream goes away this week losing to Utah. I think there's a good chance that that's right, but I'm sticking with their win and all three. I like it. I like it. Uh, SEC South Carolina six and three. So a shout out to Frank Beamer's kid who's doing a hell of a job there at South Carolina. They were Spencer Rattler. So the Gamecocks are bull bound, and in the Sun Belt, South Alabama bull bound at seven and two. Southern Miss. Five wins, so they're a team to watch for coming up here. Uh, let's go to M. M is in Mary in the AAC. We have the Memphis Tigers, who are four and five. Disappointing year for Memphis. They blow a lot of big leads. Like they they get big leads and then just they they suck. It's just it's not good. They have three games remaining. They host three and six Tulsa this week. They host one and eight North Alabama, an FCS team, November nineteenth, and they're at five and four SMU. So Charlie is Memphis bull bound or not? They win the next two, and then they lose to the SMU team that uh, scored seventy or whatever. What a game! Yeah, but they're bull bound then, and that's all that matters. They're four and yep. five. They, they, like you play North Alabama to cinch a bowl game. That's unless you lose to Tulsa. In that in that case, um, shit might be happening. In the eighth, also side note, what was the final score of that SMU Houston game? It was like seventy seven to sixty three. Yes, that is correct. The over under was sixty two and a half, I believe. For the game, do you think some of that was somebody from SMU? Like, hey. Remember when we were on the death penalty and Houston threw 11 touchdown passes against us? 30 years later, this is payback. I bet a lot of those SMU players don't even remember that SMU hat was potentially on the death penalty. So. No, they wouldn't have even been alive then. No. Because I think it was when I was like four or five years old. How about in the ACC, the Miami Hurricanes? They're four and five. What a disappointing first year for Mario Cristobal. They just got murdered by Florida State. Yes. You want to talk about teams that didn't show up uh, to play last week? Miami was definitely one of them. 45-3 at home. It, that's not even at Florida State. That was in Miami. They are at, In front of, I'm assuming, 107 fans. But I didn't watch any of it, so I don't know. 100 of them being Florida State fans. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they are at 4-5 and five Georgia Tech. This week, Georgia Tech a surprise four and five. They're at eight and one Clemson, and then they host five and four Pitt to end the year. So Charlie, is Miami bull bound or not? Nope. Ending with a whimper, they're losing all three of them. I hope so. That would be so funny. So funny to see Miami not even get to bowl eligibility. I mean, you think about it, if they lose to Georgia Tech, I feel confident they're gonna get murdered by Clemson. Mm-hmm. And then I just I just don't think they're all of a sudden at the end of the year going to be like, all right, we're circling the wagons Buffalo Bill style, like Chris Bourbon always yeah. says. And that's the one we're going to win. Yeah. Nope, I, I don't see it happening. I really don't. In the Big 12, no teams start with N. How about, though, in the Big 10? Michigan, they're bowl eligible. They're 9-0. and uh, Maryland, they're going to a bowl game. They're 6-3. and Michigan State. Sparty was really good last year. One of the feel-good stories. Mel Tucker did a great job and got this huge extension. Now Spartans boosters are... What a bunch of games by single digits that are now going the other way the next year. Yes. 
And but they did. They're coming off of a big win at Illinois, a very surprising win. Uh, but after the tumultuous week, yeah, they had, like what four or five players suspended too yes. after that tunnel thing with Michigan. Yes, uh, they are. They host four and five Rutgers this week. They host three and six Indiana, and then they finish the year at seven and two Penn State. Charlie is Michigan State bull bound or not? What's their record again? Four and five. Yeah, I think they're guys. They're going to lose at Penn State to end the year, but I think they win the other two. It helps if they're playing really bad teams the next two weeks. The win at Illinois saved them last week to get to. That really did. That's the reason why they're going bowling, and that was that's a huge win at Illinois. A completely stunning win. The other team that starts with an M in the Big Ten, Minnesota, they're bowl eligible. They are six and three. In Conference USA, the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders, who, by the way, remember once upon a time earlier this season, beat Miami, the Hurricanes, um, down in Miami, and then have proceeded to lose five of the next six games or four of the next five. Either way, they suck now. They're four and five. They host two and eight Charlotte this week. They host four and five Florida Atlantic the following week, and then they're at four and five Florida International FIU the following week. So, Charlie, is Middle Tennessee State bull bound or not? Not only are they bull bound, they're bull bound with room to spare. They're winning all three to get to seven and five. All right, they're upgrading bowl games. Awesome. Um, no, no teams with M in the. Uh, independent. How about in the MAC? We have the Miami, Ohio fighting Ben Roethlisberger's, the Red Hawks. They're four and five, so they have a little room to spare here, but still need to win two of these final three games. They host six and three Ohio this week. They're at two and seven Northern Illinois the following week, and then they host five and four Ball State on November twenty second. Charlie is Miami of Ohio bull bound or not? Unfortunately for retired Ben Roethlisberger, who I'm sure just eats up all the Miami of Ohio stuff he can each week. Oh, why not? They are, they are not getting that. Oh. What two are they losing? The uh, the last two. They win the first one, lose the next two. All right. Uh, Mountain West. No teams that start with an M there. Pac-12, same. Uh, Southeastern Conference. How about the Missouri Tigers? Playing better as of late. They, they fought hard with Kentucky. They beat South Carolina on the road the week before, so Missouri has some life. Four and five, three games left. At number, well, at Tennessee this week. They host New Mexico State on November 19th, and then Black Friday they host Arkansas. Charlie, is Missouri bullbound or not? That's an interesting one because they're definitely going to lose next week and then they're definitely going to beat New Mexico. And I think set up a situation where both Missouri and Arkansas are 5-6 and six needing to win that game to go to a bowl game. I, uh, I think Arkansas is going to beat Missouri, so no, no Missouri going. That is a shame. By the way, I think there's like... Also, or, go ahead. I was going to say, I think 52 uh, teams have secured bowl eligibility as of now. 52 or 56. There's 82 spots, so we're, we're running low on, on spots that need to be claimed in the final three weeks. Did you, uh, did, I, I didn't see any of the Missouri-Kentucky game. 
But did you see the thing where, like, late in the game, Kentucky had a bad snap on a punt that went over the Kentucky punter's head? But apparently it was in the tackle box the entire time. I didn't know there was tackle box on a punt. That's a new new verbiage to me. I did not I mean, either. I know, I know what it is for, like, pass plays and stuff. But, but anyway, so he goes to pick it up, and a Missouri guy just tackles him. But he sort of kind of got a punt off, so they were like, actually, because he was in the tackle box still, you're not allowed to hit him. And or, or, I, I, I heard this secondhand, so I don't know all the details. But basically, that's why Missouri lost. It's because then Kentucky got a first down. And oh. Either ran out the clock or scored or, or something. I don't remember the details. That's rough. But that's, a, that's a rough way to lose a game. I did not that see that. Tough. I heard that, they, that something happened, but uh, I did not. See that. Uh, in the SEC, still Mississippi State, six wins. They are bowl eligible. And in the Sun Belt, the Marshall Thundering Herd, five wins. So we will hold off on Marshall. Now let's go to the U's. We go back to the American Athletic Conference. UCF, the Knights, seven and two. They're bowl eligible. Uh, let's go to the ACC. Anything there? Nope. The Big 12, any U's there? Nope. How about the Big 10? Nope. Conference USA, UTSA, they're bowl eligible. They're 7-2. and two. UAB, hey, the Blazers, 4-5. and five. A little bit of a down year, I suppose, for UAB. Um, they have three games left. They host 6-4 and four North Texas. They are at 7-2 and two LSU, and they're at 3-6 and six Louisiana Tech to end the season. Charlie, are the Blazers bowl-bound or not? No, they're going to win the last one to make them feel better, but they're losing the first two on those three-game stretches, so they're, they're finishing 5-7. and seven. Okay. Uh, how about UTEP, the Miners, 4-6. and six. They host 4-5 and five Florida International on November 19th, and then they are at 7-2 UTSA on November 26th. Charlie, is UTEP bullbound or not? I was trying to come up with the digging pun, but against my better judgment, I'm going to say no, that they are not going bowl eligible. Okay. Or they're not going to be bowl eligible. They're not They're not doing it. No bucks. How about in the FBS independence, we have UMass. They're 1-8. No, thank you. But, hey, at least you won a game. I'm going to make a, I'm going to make an exception here because I think we need to talk about this team and the, the job that Jim Mora Jr. has done. UConn is 5-5. Five and five, And so they are one win away from bowl eligibility. So we're just going to ask the question right now. They have two games left. We're making an exception because when are we ever? When have we ever talked about UConn football in in the positive light? So they host Liberty this week, and then they are at three and five Army November nineteenth. So Charlie is UConn bull bound or not? I'm not doing this just to be mean-spirited, but they're going to lose to Liberty, and then I think playing an option team on the road, they're not going to get it done. Oh, they're going to go five and seven and not make it. So close. I feel bad saying that, but I just I don't think it's going to work out. Somewhere Randy Edsel is is uh, just pouring himself another bourbon. I don't know. Does he even drink former, bourbon? Former UConn running back Donald Brown, too. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, uh, Jim Calhoun, uh, former – Men's basketball. Right. Rip Hamilton too. Yes. Oh yes. Ray Allen. Don't forget Khalid Elamine. Oh yeah. Oh, 
geez, we're, we're running through the gamut here of UConn men's basketball players. Let's go to the Mountain West. How about Utah State? Four and five. So, again, you just need to go two and one during this three-game stretch. Utah State is at two and eight Hawaii this week. They host six and two San Jose State, and then they're at six and three Boise State. Charlie, is Utah State bowl-bound or not? I think they're going to Hawaii. They're going to get a little bit of sun, find a way to get some relaxation time. They're going to beat Hawaii, feel good about themselves, so they're going to come back to the Bay Bunch and it's all going to go wrong. They oh. lose the last two of the season. Oh, that's rough. That's rough for you, Utah State. How about UNLV? They're 4-5. and five. They just need to win two of their final three games. They host 5-4 and four Fresno State this week. They are at 2-8 and eight Hawaii, and then they're hosting 2-7 and seven Nevada to end the season. Charlie, is UNLV bullbound or not? I can't believe I'm saying this, but run Rebels run. They're getting all three of them. They're going at 7-5. and five. Fantastic. That is awesome. UNLV has been bad for a while, so the fighting Kenny Maines will really appreciate um, I'm assuming they've made a bowl game in the last 20 years. I'm, I don't know off the top of my head, but it just feels like they're three and nine every single season. Yes, yes. And they'll like they'll randomly get one good player, and it's like, oh, he's good, and then it's like, oh, he transferred. They're back again now. Yeah. Uh, in the Pac-12, USC, UCLA, and Utah all bowl eligible at this stage. In uh, the SEC, no, no teams with U there. And then in the Sun Belt. We do have uh, we have one team here, University of Louisiana Monroe Warhawks, three and six. So they need to win out here. Monroe is at four and five Georgia State this week. They're at seven and two Troy, and they host five and four Southern Miss to end the year. Charlie, are the Warhawks bullbound or not? They win the first one, then they lose to Troy to make the rest of it irrelevant. Troy's tough. It's always tough to beat Troy. Yeah. And was it Demarcus Ware? He went to Troy, right? Yep, he went to Troy. Who's the other guy? Was it Osiu Minura? Uh, maybe I don't remember another one off the top of my head. Another... But I wouldn't be stunned if he went there. I just recall there. I think was another defensive end who was very good that went there. So that does it with the U's. Let's go to the ends. I think maybe we did this last. Did we do ends last week? I do not remember if well, we did or not. Regardless, we're going to do it again. So we go back to the AAC. And we're going to go to Navy. Three and six. They need to win their final three games. They are hosting Notre Dame this week. They are at UCF. And then they have, the, of course, the Navy-Army game. So they need to win all three of these ones. Charlie, is Navy bullbound or not? No, that's a rough closing stretch if you're Navy. I mean, they might be able to beat Army. They're definitely not winning the other team, though. Agreed. Agreed. In the ACC, North Carolina State and North Carolina are bowl-bound. They are bowl-eligible. All right, we're going to do it. We're going to go with your Nebraska Cornhuskers. Three and six. They have to win out, Charlie. Well, hey, we got somebody really easy to play next week, right? Someone will make it. They're definitely guaranteed to win. Uh, Northwestern? Oh, wait, they already lost. I wish it was Northwestern. They've actually already lost Northwestern, so that's not a good start. Nope. Although I would like them to be able to play Northwestern again with their interim coach to see if things go better. (laughs) Right. 
They're at Michigan. They host Wisconsin and then at Iowa. Charlie, is Nebraska bullbound or not? Unfortunately, no, they are not. I think it's possible they might win one of those. And it definitely not be in Michigan. Um, but yeah, it's, they're, they're, they're going to be ineligible this weekend. Whatever win helps the Gophers the most, I, preferably I think Wisconsin, that's who I want you to beat. Works for me. I hate Wisconsin. So yeah, that'd be great. Conference USA, Northwestern, 1-8. and eight. They, they are not getting in. Uh, Conference USA, North Texas, 6-4. and four. They are bowl eligible. The Independents, Notre Dame, 6-3. and three. They are in. How about New Mexico State, 3-5? and five. Uh, I believe, did they, they had the game with San Jose State that was postponed. I don't know if that's getting played at some point, but they host Lamar this week. They're at Missouri. November 19th, and they're at Liberty, November 26th. Whether or not that game with San Jose State does get played or not, not sure, but is New Mexico State bull-bound or not? They're going to beat Lamar, but then it's going to go poorly after that when they lose the next two. Okay. Northern Illinois in the MAC, they are 2-7. and seven. They are not bowl-eligible. New Mexico in the Mountain West, they are 2-7 and seven and not bowl-eligible. Same with Nevada, 2-7, and seven, not even sniffing a bowl game. Pac-12, no teams that start with N. Same as the SEC and the Sun Belt also. So that leads us to our final letter of the week. Uh, the, the um, It's I. I as in Iowa can't score a touchdown. Uh, AAC, no teams there. I mean, a- Iowa's looked better the last two weeks on offense. Well, I mean... There's nowhere to go but up when you're as bad as you as Iowa's been offensively this year, though, right? It's worth noting, I don't like saying nice things about Iowa. It is worth noting, though, that for like the first two months of the season, they basically, other than South Dakota State, who is a good FCS team, or a great FCS team with a good defense, mm-hmm. everyone else they played, it's been like, oh, hey, they're one of the top 20 defenses in the country. Like, yeah, that'd probably be tough. So that's... Not to say that Iowa's offense is good, but I do think that that is part of it. Fair. Um, uh, a, the AAC, no teams there. The ACC, no teams there. In the Big 12, Iowa State is 4-5. and five. They just picked up their first Big 12 win, I believe, this last week against West Virginia. They are at number 18, Oklahoma State this week. 6-3, and three, Oklahoma State. They host... Four and five Texas Tech the following week, and then to end the year, they're at TCU. Charlie, is Iowa State bull bound or not? Unfortunately, I don't think they are. I think they get one of those to make it interesting, but then they lose to TCU at the end of the season. Oklahoma State, you you need to win. You need to pull out a win, and this would be a great time uh, to do so. Get back on the winning track. Because if they lose to Iowa State, I think Iowa State gets in. I think they they won't beat TCU, but they'll beat Texas Tech. It's just my thought. Agreed. In the, I agree. In the Big Ten, Indiana is three and six. Somehow the Hoosiers still are eligible or you know have a chance at being bowl bound. That's going to end this week though. Probably they're at number two Ohio State, at Michigan State the following week, and then they host five and four Purdue. To end the season, Charlie is Indiana bull bound or not? Nope, they're they're losing all three of those games. 
Illinois, 7-2. They are bowl eligible. Iowa, one win away. They have five wins, so we will hold off on them for now. No team in Conference USA or the Independents. Same as in the MAC. Mountain West, nothing. Pac-12, nothing. Southeastern Conference, nothing. And the Sun Belt, nothing there. So that does it for the eyes, and that does it for this week's edition of Bull Bound or Not. Next week, we will go through all of the four-win teams and maybe some of the five-win teams as well. So uh, we will be getting down to the final couple of weeks of Bull Bound or Not. But how, how, how did you feel after a couple of weeks here? I feel good. Do you want me to give you letters for next week? Well, we'll just we'll just pick the four. Uh, we'll just go through all the four win teams and maybe pick some of the five win teams. All right, that works. So I was going to say since I'm watching Monday Night Football, I was going to just do Lamar L I M A R for letters. Oh, there but... we go. Well, we could certainly do that too. I will uh, jot it down and we'll see if uh, how many four win teams we have or five win teams, and then how many go fit into Lamar. So there we go. Um, so anything else we need to get to before we say so long for the week? Uh, I don't know if I have anything else other than that. I, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm 36 now and I saw Alabama lose and I still stood up in fist bumps that I always get so excited whenever they lose in football now. I kind of feel that way whenever Green Bay sucks or Aaron Rodgers throws an interception. It's cause for well, celebration. You got a fist bump quite a bit on Sunday. I sure did. I sure did. There what, it was three picks that he threw? Yes, yes. And you saw the Jets beat the Bills, so the Dolphins are alive and well for the It was a really good weekend for me. I mean, I was sad that Nebraska lost a little bit, but, you know, obviously I did not have my hopes for this season anymore. Mm -hmm. But you go with South Dakota State winning, and Alabama losing, and the Miami Dolphins winning, and the Buffalo Bills losing. Like, that's, that's a pretty good weekend. I'll take that. Absolutely. Take as many of those wins as you can get. Charlie, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good. Take care, bud. Thank you, Charlie. Charlie Hildebrand, kind enough to join us. A lot of, a lot of good talk there. Um, Bullbound or not. Triumphant return last week. Great week this week, and we will have a lot of fun next week going through all of the four-win teams. So, see who's there in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll finish up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. We'll look back at Week 9 in the NFL and make some early picks for Week 10. As we wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com and on iTunes, uh, follow Char- Charlie on Twitter at C.E. Hildebrand. Wrap up in, wrapping up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast next. As we wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, I have a little guest with me, Jason, here, our second uh, born son. And uh, so we're going to make some, uh, we're going to recap what happened in week nine and make some early picks for week 10, as we always do during football season. So let's go back to week nine. It began Thursday night. Philadelphia Eagles at the Houston. Texans. It was battle. It was going, you know, coinciding with the World Series between the Phillies and the Astros. So not a lot of people watched. Texans were game. This game was tied 14-14 at the half, but the Eagles ultimately prevail 29-17. On Sunday, then, the Vikings get a big win over the Washington Commanders 20-17. Washington had a 17-7 lead, aided in part by the refs who, uh, you know, ran 
Cam Bynum, Viking safety, ran into him. Uh, wanting the back judge. Curtis Samuel catches a touchdown, and that kind of swung momentum. But ultimately, Harrison Smith with a big pick. Uh, some catches late. Dalvin Cook a big touchdown catch, and the Vikings win 20-17. to Another 20-17 to finish. The Chargers beat the Falcons 20-17. to Falcons were up 10-0, and then the Chargers made a comeback. Chargers were driving late, fumbled it. Falcons recovered, and then fumbled it on the return. Chargers recovered. Ultimately, would kick a game-winning field goal, and the Chargers win 20-17. to Arguably the most entertaining game of the day happened took place in Chicago where Justin Fields threw three passing touchdowns and had a rushing touchdown as well. Actually, 178 yards rushing, including a 61-yard touchdown run. But the, the Dolphins' offense looks very unstoppable right now. Tyreek Hill, a big game. Jalen Waddle, a touchdown catch as well. Tua Tugavailoa played well, and the Dolphins win 35-32 to improve to 6-3. You know who else was unstoppable? Joe Mixon. The Cincinnati Bengals running back had four uh, well, five touchdowns total, four rushing, one receiving, and the Bengals throttle the Carolina Panthers, forty-two to twenty-one. Bit of a stunner. What's going on? What's happened to the Green Bay Packers? They have now lost five games in a row, uh, following a fifteen-nine loss to the Detroit Lions. Aaron Rodgers throws three interceptions, including two in the red zone. He just looks awful, and he's the, he's bad. He's not seeing the field. It's not good. Detroit gets their second win of the season. Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders uh, were spotted 17 points by the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then the offense completely disappeared in the second half. Travis Etienne had a couple of rushing touchdowns, and the Jaguars came back, scored 27 of the final 30 points to beat the Raiders 27 to 20. Colts had Indianapolis Colts had a lot of injuries. And it showed in this one, lackluster performance, to say the least, what, 121 total yards of offense. New England Patriots crush them 26-3. They have the head coaching, uh, Frank Wright getting fired, Jeff Saturday getting named. It's a weird situation there in Indy. Upset of the day took place in uh, Giant Stadium, or the, the, you know MetLife Stadium in the Meadowlands, where the New York Jets beat the Buffalo Bills twenty to seventeen. Josh Allen had two rushing touchdowns in the first half in this one. It was fourteen to three, and then Sauce Gardner showed up. He balled out in the second half here. Uh, Allen with a big interception. You get uh, he hurts his elbow at the end. Not just a bad bad game all around. He played like garbage. He even said he kind of played like shit. Uh, the Bills lose 20-17 to to the Jets. Jets improved to 6-3. Seattle Seahawks, uh, Geno Smith threw a pick six in the second half to give the Cardinals a 14-10 lead. And then after that, Geno Smith in the offense was just fantastic. Kenneth, uh, Kenneth Walker, the third rookie running back, with a couple of rushing touchdowns. And the Seahawks win 31-21 over Arizona. Uh, Tom Brady surpasses 100,000 career passing yards. I mean, no one's even close to that. He's been absolutely fantastic. And then he gets a game-winning touchdown late. Uh, good touchdown pass. And the Bucks win late over the L.A. Rams, 16-13. Kansas City Chiefs scored the first nine points of their game with Tennessee. Saw Derrick Henry, King Henry, rush for a couple of touchdowns. The Titans defense stopped the Chiefs on seven consecutive drives, six or seven consecutive drives. But then the Chiefs scored uh, late. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, a big run on third down. He can, he runs for a touchdown. He runs for a two-point conversion to tie the game up. And then the Chiefs win in overtime, 20-17. to Malik Willis, rookie quarterback from Liberty, got the start for Tennessee, had um, five completions, 
total for the game, none to any wide receivers. And then Monday Night Football, Baltimore Ravens beat the New Orleans Saints 27-13. Lamar Jackson, uh, good, decent game overall. It was the Ravens defense that really shut down the Saints. And uh, a good win for the Ravens, who look dangerous now, improving to 6-3. and three. As we move to Week 10, it kicks off Thursday Night Football. Atlanta Falcons at the Carolina Panthers, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on the NFL Network. I think the, I, I don't know. The, the Falcons are probably winning this game, but they should have lost to the Panthers a couple weeks ago. Do the Panthers remember that? Do they take advantage of that? Uh, we'll see. I'll take the I'll take the Falcons to win this game. Jason, you okay, buddy? There we go. Uh, then, uh, first ever NFL game in Munich, Germany, taking place on Sunday, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, 8.30 a.m. Central Time on the NFL Network. The 6-3 and three Seahawks at the 4-5 and five Buccaneers. That's it. I'm not, I, I'm not picking against Seattle right now. Geno Smith and Kevin Walker playing good. The Bucks. I don't trust that they're going to take, they're going to get any momentum from that win against the Rams, taking the Seahawks to win. Then on Sunday, we have the Minnesota Vikings at the Buffalo Bills, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Don't know Josh Allen's status, the quarterback for the Bills, with that uh, injury to his elbow, UCL. I think regardless, I'm picking the Bills to win this game. Vikings, prove me wrong if Allen doesn't play. That would be a huge win, but I will take the Bills to win this one. Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Good win for the Lions last week, but have you seen what Justin Fields has been doing lately for the Bears on offense? He takes advantage of a porous Lions defense. Give me the Bears at home. Jacksonville Jaguars at the Kansas City Chiefs, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Good comeback win for the Jaguars last week, but they're not going to slow down Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs offense. Give me the Chiefs big in this one. Cleveland Browns at the Miami Dolphins, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Good luck, Cleveland, keeping up with Miami. No one's been able to do it lately. Dolphins roll over the Browns. Houston Texans at the New York Giants, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Texans will be game in this one, but Saquon Barkley should have a monster game against a porous Texans rush defense. Give me the Giants coming off the bye to win. New Orleans Saints at the Pittsburgh Steelers, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. What a awful game this is this looks like give me the Steelers to win this one the Saints are done um as far as I I mean the Steelers are done too but give me the uh, give me the Steelers to beat the Saints Denver Broncos at the Tennessee Titans 1 p.m eastern and central time on CBS Russell Wilson and the Broncos got a big win a couple weeks ago in London had the bye to try and figure things out but that Titans defense is legit I think they make life miserable for Russell Wilson on the road in an early kickoff Derrick Henry does enough late. We'll see if Ryan Tannehill plays. I like the Titans over Denver. Indianapolis Colts at the Las Vegas Raiders, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on CBS. We'll see what Jeff Saturday, interim head coach for the Colts, can do. No real head coaching experience before. A couple weeks ago, he said the Raiders looked like crap. They were terrible. And now he has to go against them in their first week? Ain't they a bad team? Um, I like the Raiders in this one just because of the inexperience. Dallas Cowboys at the Green Bay Packers, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Fox has been hyping this game up, but the, the reality is the Packers are a terrible, they're a bad football team right now. The Cowboys aren't. They're playing really good. I expect Dallas to go into Green Bay and beat the Packers. And then the Arizona Cardinals at the LA Rams, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Toss-up game as far as I'm concerned. 
think the Rams win just because they've had the Cardinals number. They beat them once already this season. But um, if the Cardinals win, I would not be surprised in the least. They probably should win. I think they're perhaps better, but give me the Cardinals over the Rams in this one. And then Sunday Night Football, the L.A. Chargers at the San Francisco 49ers, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. 49ers had a bye last week. You get Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey in the lineup this week. Good luck, Chargers. I don't see how they can stop them both. Give me the 49ers big in this one. And then Monday Night Football, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. It's the Washington Commanders at the Philadelphia Eagles. It should have been Carson Wentz going against his former Eagles, uh, former team in Philly. That's not the case. It's going to be Taylor Heineke. He'll keep him competitive, but Jalen Hurts and the Eagles remain undefeated. They beat Washington. Those are your Week 10 picks. Official picks and predictions can be found in the stack, stackattack.sportsblog.com and our Football Friday post. Baltimore, New England, the Jets, and the Bengals all on the bye this week. And that'll do it for this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. It was a long one. We covered a lot. Uh, we'll, we'll recap a lot of stuff next week. Talk some college basketball. Definitely college football. Bullbound or not, another week of that as we inch closer towards the end of the regular season. But plenty to get to. So for Travis and Charlie, I'm Nathan. This podcast can be found on podcast.com. Follow me on Facebook, Nathan Stack, and Twitter at ND Stack. And uh, Charlie Hildebrand at C.E. Hildebrand. Travis Krenz at Travis Krenz. The link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Have a great week, everyone. If you're in the Midwest, specifically the Dakotas, uh, be safe in that winter storm. Hunters in, in Minnesota, get a buck this week. Get a doe if you haven't yet. Uh, good luck to them. Uh, and we'll talk to you next week and talk about all of the big happenings in the sports world. Congratulations again to the Houston Astros on winning the World Series. So for all of us here at the Sports Block Podcast, I'm Nathan Stack and saying thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. <laughs>